Hello, it is Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, January 11th, 2022. Can't thank you enough for allowing us to be a part of your day here. Big show, big show. Not only is Aaron Rodgers here and completely transparent for a long conversation as he awaits his bye week this weekend. Also, John Cena. Yeah, that John Cena. AJ Hawk, all the boys. I think you're going to enjoy today. If you do, please be a friend, tell a friend. If not, just act like it never happened. Let's get to it. Before we get started, how about them dogs? Congrats to the Georgia Bulldogs on becoming national champions for the first time in 40-some years. Yeah. Hey, take that thing back down to Georgia. Uh-huh. Kirby Smart said he didn't get a chance to taste that trophy when he just gave it a kiss, not just yet, but... I mean, what a night in Indianapolis. We got a chance to be there. Uh, Gumpy and at Boston Connor sat two rows behind the Alabama bench, one wearing a two, a Tonga Valoa jersey, the other wearing a Mac Jones jersey. Hell. And all they were saying all night was, Roll Tad. Roll Tad. Hey, Roll Tad. Oh, damn tied now. Hey, Saban coaching? Yeah. Is Saban winning? Yeah. yeah. Roll Tide! Roll Tide! Listen, we were saying that, okay? And oh, I, yeah. I didn't follow the college football season enough. This particular season, there was real no uh, requirement for me to pay attention to college football. So, I only watched the men's league. But I'll tell you what. Once it got to the college football playoff and I seen my boys, the Cincinnati Bearcats, get in there. And then they play against Alabama. It's hard as an ignorant to college football person in this particular season not to go, Is Saban fucking coaching? Roll, Tad. They were getting points in the national championship. I just assumed that Bryce Young and the boys would be able to do what they had to do. And I got a chance to be in the building alongside Tone Diggs was there, a diehard college football fan in the office, I think really the only one. And uh, A.J. Hawk was there, flew in for the game. Uh, We were sitting in the ESPN suite. Whoa, whoa. Okay. Some big heads. Heavy hitters. Right on the fucking 50. (laughs) Damn. I mean, this was... Hey, by the way, thank you to ESPN thank for you. allowing us in your suite. Thank you, ESPN. That was very nice. That was very, very nice of them. Uh, Jimmy Pitaro. So that's like the... Uh, James. That's the guy. He mm-hmm. gave away $300,000 last night to educators and everything like that. And literally four minutes before he did that, we were having a full conversation in the suite. He was hanging out, having a good time. Very thankful for them allowing us in there for the invite and for the hospitality, the food. Oh, I can oh. imagine. Oh. Top I notch. I can imagine. They had these meatballs. Yeah. Whoa. They had these meatballs. Then they had this shark cut board. Ooh. Jesus. It was up here. Up here. Everybody was very nice. Everybody was very friendly. It was very cool. We were very uh, appreciative of that invite. You know, was that a business conversation in there? Oh. That was actually just a good time at a game. Okay. okay. It's good time. Just having fun. You're shooting the shit. Hey, just having fun. Just having yeah. fun. Hey, Loving ball. Yeah. And I will say, when we were in that suite there, and uh, we walked out to the front where we just sat, it was almost like we were all by ourselves, yes. by the way. Nobody was really talking to us. We were yeah. in our own suite, basically on the 50. It was unbelievable. Had a great time. I, was, I had a great time. Got immersed in the SEC again, because it is different down there. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, being in the building, 75%. Georgia Bulldog fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Loud. Oh, yeah. 75. Maybe 80%. Wow. I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure. Loud. The dogs the, traveled. The dogs traveled. The dogs <clears throat> were barking. And potentially the dogs knew this was their chance to win a natty. And the Alabama fans said, is the national championship going to be in a warm city next year? Mm-hmm. Well, well, we'll go to that one. We, I don't know which yeah. one it was because it was 9 degrees, 8 degrees, and 7 degrees Very around cold. here. Very chilly walking over there. So maybe that was the thought. But I was nothing short of impressed about the fucking Bulldogs fans. 
fans that showed up. They were loud. Uh -huh. They were packed out all the way to the top. Long travel up here. They took over the entire city. They were doing their dog roll call. What is it? Roll dogs, go dogs, call dogs. Something like that. Yeah, One right. of those. Right. Saw right. dogs. <laughs> it's dog an entire call. the dog call. Yeah, maybe. They were doing their dog call, call on the Hans. Call, call the Hans. The, call. Hans? the bump is Hans. The bump is Hans running around Bulldogs, brother. Not as much as the Georgia Bulldogs Hans are right. running around here. But anyways, there's like a dog roll call or something mm -hmm. where I guess if you just go to school there, you automatically learn this Pledge of Allegiance, it sounds like they do. <laughs> One person says, and then the whole crowd goes, <laughs> and then the other one, who? Every adult that you have seen who is in our area, so they had to pay a pretty good amount of money, be pretty successful people, dressed up rather well with G's all over them, but dressed up in their sport coats, full barking. We're talking grown-ass adults, successful adults, going full bark in there. And I'll tell you what, the fact that any other team ever wins, I find impressive. Mm -hmm. That has to be intimidating when an entire sea of humanity is just barking loudly at you. And once that thing started going, now, it was a Kicker's Paradise National Championship. Mm -hmm. And I told AJ this last night. You know, he was lucky to be here yeah. because they picked the right stadium to have a kicking national championship because that's a kicking track. That's right. Mm. Good hey, the ball explodes off that off that track, got it. <laughs> so that's a good kicking track. So I'm happy we're getting a chance to witness that. A lot of Sunday legs last night, by the way. Very impressed with the warm-ups of guys. I got a chance to see them and see the height of everybody else. It was awesome. But once those dogs started rolling her. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey. I know that roof is removable or whatever. Mm -hmm. It seemed like there was about to be some hounds that were going to maybe make that thing go crazy. Congrats to the Bulldogs. Congrats on all the success. Don't love that Kirby Smart decided to uh, quote an old coach about property damage in our city, mm. okay, immediately afterwards. And then Reese with a follow-up. <laughs> you heard what Kirby said. Yeah. Referencing old buddy, tear this fucking place down, okay? Mm -hmm. We don't need all that. We can have a good time without tearing the whole place down. Yeah. And I understand it was a reference to a callback and throwback. I get it. But I think the Georgia Bulldogs fans have put on a hell of a show in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. We hope you felt, uh, like, welcome. Uh, we hope you had a great time here. We're not speaking for everybody, obviously. And we did jack shit when it comes to, like, in the restaurant. Right. There's an incredible, hardworking group of people down here that run all the cities. But we hope you enjoyed the city. Congrats on the national championship. It was awesome to be there. I'll go right to at Boston Connor. You're two rows behind this Alabama squad. Yeah. And you, more importantly, two rows behind the Bama band as mm. well that got a chance to perform. What was your biggest takeaway from last night? And I'll tell you what, it kind of reinvigorated, you know, my college football like. Sure. Hmm. I don't want to go to love. Okay. But my college football, like, yeah. like, I enjoyed last night a lot. It's much different when you're in the middle of that. Yeah. And that's what they always try to describe is the pageantry and everything like that. And when I was at West Virginia, I got a chance to be a part of some celebrations alongside the fans. Never really got to sit in the crowd, obviously. Should probably go experience that one time. It was always, like, big. But when you're in the middle of that and you're experiencing it, and there's people barking on my left and my right, and you're kind of just – it was – it was magical. I don't know how it was where you were. You're behind the Alabama team. That was all all dogs fans, though, wasn't it? Uh, no, we were with like a lot of Bama family. So really? it was a lot of yeah, experienced vets. Not too much. It wasn't as loud from the Bama fans, like you said. The Georgia fans were the ones that really brought that place to life. A lot more student. Their student section probably quadrupled what Alabama's student section was. So I mean, they were getting after it. It was truly an honor 
to be at a national championship, but more so the last football game of the 2021 season in Lucas Oil Stadium. You know, it's a bummer that no wow. one else What's will be that? able to play there till September. Hey, we get so. it, the memes. All right, you don't have to be a meme all the fuck. No, I'm not being a meme. I'm just glad. I'm not. I'm glad I got to experience Playoff football. Truly. That's all over the internet, dude. Yeah, it was awesome. Clown emojis were sending that to me. You know what you look like right now? What? Clown emojis. Clown emojis. That's a pretty good stat, that, though. Yeah, I said stat that. You can't stat that. But also, I don't think I've ever really experienced a college football game that massive in general, let alone a national championship. So the, the atmosphere, the experience, it was unbelievable. So Foxy and I got to experience the uh, SEC championship two years ago. With Burrow. LSU, Georgia. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yeah. Joe Burrow. So we were in there very early because yeah. uh, I was down there with game day. Yeah, and you uh, just got down early. You just got down early with game day. We, tailgating we went and had some brunch. Yeah, we walked through a couple of tailgates, had some beers. I mean, right. we had a pretty good time, actually. Oh, it was so awesome. It was a great day. A lot we, of barking. A lot of walking. Yeah. A lot of barking, a yes. lot Side of walking. Dogs, we're we, we did that. We got in there early, though, into a suite. Shout out to the Coonan family. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out to the Shout Coonan out. family. Shout out. We get in there early, and I'd never been in a stadium that early before. Never been in an SEC game at all. Remember, we were talking at the time. We are going, to, it's different down here. Yes. Like, that's all there is. It's different <laughs> down here. Like, how fucking... They open three hours before uh, kickoff. How different can it be? Yeah, so we yeah, get we were kind of testing it. Like it can't be that this, much. Different. Get the fuck out of here. We go down there. We experience that thing. It is different down there. <laughs> Way yeah. different. And we met the uh, we met the commissioner of the SEC, uh, uh, Greg, Greg Sankey. Greg Sankey last night. Said thank you to him for saving football. Nice. <laughs> what did he say? Had to be done. He's no. He 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 deflected. That obviously, sure, <laughs> you deflected that whole thing. Uh, but he basically said, Yeah, I wasn't budging, we were going to play football. It was the moment and, of the I, night. and I was like, My guy, hey, we appreciate you. Yeah, because we were, we were sitting there, and uh, you know, there was guests coming in and out of the whole area up there, yeah, very safe conditions, everybody doing the whole thing. But it was, you know, everybody was coming in and out of there, and he walked in. And we're standing at the short cut board, I think, Mm -hmm. at the time. We're standing at the short cut board. And by the way, me, AJ, and Tone did not leave each other's side, by the way. There was never a moment. (laughs) There was never a moment where we were. But we're at the short cut board, and we're watching the TV. The game's on. There were six different, because there was all the different simulcasts. So figuring out which TV was live, because you hear celebrations, Mm -hmm. and then which one is a simulcast that's either like half a second behind, two seconds behind, five seconds behind. That was an entire game. Then old buddy in a suit walks in behind us, and we all look. We're like, who's that? Who's that? Because he just goes immediately has a good conversation and we we quit oh that's that commissioner guy so then tone Diggs is googling it on his phone we're standing three feet away from this guy he has on his phone turns it to me it is it is turns it to aj hey that's him think this guy's gonna turn around and potentially see us doing that so we were thinking about maybe going and uh leaving at this point sure we would be remiss if we did not thank this man for Saving football. You saving football. Excuse me, sir. Because, AJ, if you do recall, AJ, the Big Ten's commissioner, AJ, the mm-hmm. Big Ten's commissioner mm-hmm. said, we ain't playing football. And then this guy, who's right here, said, no, hey, we're playing fucking football. Playing now. football. Yeah. I, I, That's I, why we playing needed playing General football. Bob on the on the front. On the north. On the north. That's right. Greg Sankey in the south. Well, see, there was levels, though, because Greg Sankey was already at, like, a presidential position. Yeah. He was a four-star general. General Bob was running a coup. That's right. <laughs> general yeah. Bob was, he was yeah. like a general. Or he was general at the time. He was the patriot in the he woods. Had the yeah, he had, uh, yeah, he had to lead a bunch. He had to go, he had to show up at the offices. He was yeah. storming, yeah. he was storming the offices. He was. General Bob Carpenter was, 
pounded pavement in the north. Yeah. The South president, the SEC president, had it already locked down oh, in, yeah. in the yeah. war against football. It's all right. Hey, don't you worry. Once this Mason Dixon hits, we're playing football down here. Mm-hmm. And so we thanked him for that. He was very nice, very cool. He knew of us. Let's go. Really? Oh. Yeah, he knew of us. Thank he said you. he appreciates our work. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means, but he did say that he did enjoy our stuff. And I, it did appear as if he knew who we were, if that makes sense. Like, AJ, I think he even recognized Tony a little bit. Tony Dogs. At some point, wow. someone had to show him, like, hey, they're, they're saying you're saving football right now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this. Check hey, this out. You're taking a lot of heat right now. Okay, science community's coming after you. Uh, probably everybody else is coming after you for, oh, uh, this guy thinks he's smarter than everybody mm. else. Here's at least a group of idiots that are thanking you. They, they still don't know if you are killing people or not, but they, <laughs> they are complimenting you for saving football because uh, it's saving their lives or whatever. Yeah, that's probably how we get introduced. <laughs> yes. right, hell yeah, yeah I am saving football. They're right. <laughs> <laughs> they were good, good. It was a cool game, man. At Tone Diggs, you're on the dogs all the way. And we are openly – I was roll tied in oh, the yeah. middle oh, – yeah. I was the only person, it felt like, pulling for Alabama <laughs> in the area where A.J. was also on my side because A.J. and I, uh, I think, watch college football in the exact same fashion where we don't know shit about fuck sure. about mm-hmm. it. So Saban, sure. Okay, he's getting points. Sure. So we were pulling for roll tide. Everybody around us, though, big-time Dogs fans, digs fit right in. Diggs mm-hmm. fit right in. Had the cowboy hat. Right. Had the cowboy boots Ooh. on. He was doing the dogs. I mean, he was <laughs> all in. Uh, Tone, what a night for you. Uh, thank you for coming. I hope you enjoyed it. And is that the coolest photo you've ever seen in your life? Thank you for having me. It's in the top two of coolest photos that I've ever taken in my life. The other one potentially is the one you took of me and my father at the Sealers game. In a similar oh, situation. yeah. Mm-hmm. Looking on. Mm-hmm. Thank that you was... for both of those photos yeah. and both of those situations. Uh, I severely overestimated. The number of cowboy hats I thought were going to be at the game. There was one, and I was wearing it. I thought the dogs and Bama fans might have more cowboy hats. It was more just khakis and polos and stuff like that. A lot of cowboy boots, though. Yeah, a lot of cowboy boots. A lot of cowboy boots. Not a lot of cowboy hats. Uh, It was awesome. Dogs' defense was flying around. You know, the boys were, were... Tossing out jabs back and forth in the first half. Let's feel each other out. There's some big plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're gonna okay. Kicking wins national championships, and we and we know that. Yeah, everybody there were some big plays, but both defenses were flying around, and then they started open up in the second half. And Stetson Bennett said, "Yeah, I'm a walk on. Okay, walk on's never done this before ever. I went to JUCO. I've never started a season as a starter, but here I am, national champion championship guy. Throws a pretty ball. Yeah, he does. <laughs> it is beautiful. It was hard not to be, make comparisons, just strictly because we're caught up in the moment. But we're like." Oh, this guy's got a little Drew Brees in him. Look at this guy. Yeah. Look at this guy, little Drew Brees. He can move. Seems to be an incredible leader. Got a lot of grit, a lot of fight. And he throws a pretty ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is a very pretty ball. And I don't, once again, I will admit, and one Alabama fan actually said it to us on our way out, you guys don't care about this game at all. We did care about the game yeah, because it was remember. happening in Indy. That's right. And it was the national championship. But we didn't know, I didn't know enough about either team. I did not, and I think I said that as I was saying, hey, Saban's getting points. I'm doing that whole thing. Stetson Bennett's been getting killed, right, for like the last month and a half? Yeah. Is he good enough? 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 Is this guy going to, is this, is this, he stinks, he stinks, he stinks. If he has a couple incompletions, they're going to be booing and pulling for somebody else to come in. That was the conversation that happened all the way up to this game, right? Oh, yeah. And it feels like. Stetson Bennett heard it all and has got to a cool point where he didn't give a fuck, right? And that's a sweet, 
that's a talent in of itself to be able to do that and not kind of get bogged down by the thoughts or the future fear or the, the lingering shadow over your shoulder of being replaced or being booed out of a stadium. Like getting to that mental standpoint is really impressive mm -hmm. in my eyes. Even as, you know, somebody that would never, ever be able to do anything that he does, just the respect that I have for the fact that he had to battle against it all the way into the natty. And, and I thought back to how happy those dudes were when they won the national championship in those big. And I thought back to like whenever we were in school and how devastating losses were mm -hmm. for me. I, I remember when we would lose and it didn't happen often. There was one big one, obviously, but when we would lose, it was like devastating. And then when something good would happen or we go win, like it was, we used to really celebrate that. I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to win a national championship for the first time in 41 years oh. and be a walk on like Stetson Bennett was on good morning America this morning. I don't know how the fuck, he was able to do that either yeah, yeah. I, I, like that is good for him good story but that georgia defense man hey they're fucking massive massive very fast oh, yes. so fast and fly i mean just fly around are they all old are they coming back is that because saban the way he addressed his team was different i think than any we've ever seen saban mm -hmm. you know they say coach him hard when um, it's good and love them up when it's bad or whatever it is. And he was doing a lot of that kind of afterwards, you know, like he's proud of this team, doesn't want this team to be defined by this. The SEC championship is still a massive ordeal. You can never take that away. Like listening to him talk about it because Bryce Young has at least another year. I'd assume that Saban knows going into next year they got a team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that Georgia defense still around <laughs> or are they graduating? Or what the, the, the stud linebacker, Nicobe Dean, he's gone. Jordan Davis, the D lineman is gone. The other D lineman is gone. I mean, they're have, obviously, they're Georgia, so they're going to fill those spots. But no, they're not going to be as dominant you would think as they were this year. Do they have future odds, Gumpy, on roll tide <clears throat> to win the Natty next year? I'm just assuming uh, yeah, that that's so. going to take. What was that minus four <laughs> hundred? Yes, I believe Georgia and uh, Bama are going to be the favorites again next year. That Bama with Ohio State. They, hey, when they come out of the tunnel, you know the things that you get to see when you're at a game than on TV when that you forget how many people are on a goddamn college football. Yeah. yeah. You forget how many people and for the national championship. I think they probably dress everybody so they can say that they dress for a national championship, no matter if they play or not. I don't think you see as many people on street clothes on the sideline, unless they're famous, like Alvin Kamara sure. and Ingram. Mark Ingram. Yeah. A couple other guys. Hot Rod was on. Yeah. Yep. But whenever they were running out of that tunnel, you just saw like, Oh, there is, 150 NFL guys just talking uh -huh. out. That, that is what yeah. Alabama it's like holy shit and then Georgia comes up they're just as deep it is it's different down there and that is why I think everybody was talking about when Brian Kelly left Notre Dame to go to LSU there's a lot of people who I respect their opinion saying he was never going to win a national championship in Notre Dame and um why is the common question that's asked. He's like, can't get the dudes that you need to win a national championship to go to Notre Dame over one of these SEC schools where there is hundreds of thousands of people in most stadiums, all primetime games, mm -hmm. all other NFL guys, and it's close to their homes, so they don't have to travel as far away from family. I mean, you got no chance up there or whatever. I'll be excited to see as this NIL deal starts happening because, I mean, there's rumors that basically – I, I don't want to put percentages, but a lot of these dudes are making bank. Yeah. yeah. Making bank to go to these schools, even if they play or they don't. Mm -hmm. It is a recruiting tool now. The recruiting, it, it was uh, name image like this, which is exactly what we thought was going to happen, which is why I think we um, projected early, like look for schools that have a lot of money around them. 
to really do well and start turning this whole thing around as this name image likeness goes. Like University of Houston, where Dana Holgerson's at, mm -hmm. they got so much money around them there. They got so much money around them in Houston. There is, I guess, a lot of money down there. I don't know what it's from. Is it from just the oil, we assume? I assume yeah. so, yeah. It's just there's so much money. In, so look for them. And then I thought Georgia Tech, because they got like Coke and, and Waffle Chick House and Chick-fil-A yeah. and like all these people right around them that want them to be successful. And I think it was pretty apparent that it was going to become a recruiter tool and whenever you are in Alabama or a Georgia or any of these other schools that are always in the conversation they might be six players deep at quarterback and they're all getting deals because they're getting deals to go in there I'll be that transfer portal is going to continue to light up there's another potential pay I mean this is going to be I think college is going to get interesting like I think college is there and Saban was talking about how he thinks it might be a shift in power, which a lot of people say, well, that would mean away from you, right? Because Saban is mm -hmm. the entire thing. Mm -hmm. But I think Saban's going to be able to adapt to this better than anybody else. But it is going to be interesting to watch how these power fives mold and yeah. change into who has the the boosters to back. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's go. And get, like, I think Texas has like four different booster funded funds. Just for NIL deals? For NIL. I think oh. they have like four or three or four of them. I think they have four different ones. Like, hey, these two guys got together, uh, or these this group of people got together and put their money. This is how much we'll contribute each year to the fund. You guys spend it however you deem fit for now. There's like four of those. Mm -hmm. So then, obviously, we saw Eastern Michigan has Charlie Batch and a couple other people, like $1 million to uh, CJ or whatever out of Oklahoma. Uh, the, uh, Caleb, wow. Caleb, Caleb, Williams. Caleb Williams. Mm -hmm. They're giving him like a, they offered him a million dollars. So you're going to see like which schools do that and which ones don't. And I think it's going to be very obvious. Like I, I yeah. think it's going to potentially start even more so. And I, I'm excited for. I think it's good for the sport, but a lot of people think the complete opposite. A lot of people think the complete opposite. I think it's good. Yeah. But a lot of people think it's going to be the complete opposite. Well, and that's why, you know, like I was completely wrong. But you, it's very easy to just get intoxicated by like Alabama because it's just Saban. And like you said, they're six deep at every position. And but to your point, like a lot of these guys, like if you can still go to Alabama and are OK with, you know, sitting behind a guy for two years, probably going to end up playing in the league and still making, you know, like. Some of those guys are probably making a mil you know a million bucks, one and a half million bucks a year in college. And, yeah. yeah, think about a million dollars in college. I got forty thousand dollars out in loans. <laughs> yeah, and I was on full scholarship. There was at like thirty, thirty-five percent interest rate. Really good deal, but I had a good time. And if I didn't make to the NFL, all right, I'd be in debt like everybody else. If I made to the NFL, I'll just pay that off. No big deal. It worked out. I'm happy. A little bit of forethought. I guess that is chess, not checkers. But going out with. $400 at night in a college town? Oh. You were king! Yeah. yeah. The drinks cost 50 cents. Yeah, they <laughs> These dudes are living, man. Yeah. I'm happy for all the, all the, you know, guys coming out of college that are getting an opportunity to make this type of money. Um, and I'm pumped for the... I'm really excited to see the power, like what happens. Because yeah. I think these schools that have a, Eastern Michigan is offering a million dollars. It might not land Caleb, yeah. but some player yeah. will be like, all right, here we go. Let's go ahead and do this thing. I mean, there's a chance. And then you, then you factor in like Dion, what Coach Dion's mm -hmm. doing with uh, Jackson State. Those, the recruits he's getting in there. What, I mean, hopefully he stays at Jackson State and does whatever the hell he wants to. But I assume he's going to be getting offers – 
big time offers oh, very yeah. quickly. Very, very quickly. I, I just assume that's going to be the case. Is it every all his guys move in? Like, is it? I mean, there's a chance that this could really. I think it's good for the sport, mm -hmm. but once again. We don't. I don't cover the sport as closely as everybody else who thinks it's going to be bad for the sport. And ultimately, does it really even matter that much if it's just going to be basically, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and then maybe a fourth team every year? Like, it's good for the kid. I mean, I don't think it's really going to change who's going to be there in the end necessarily, but you know, it gives a lot of people a lot of opportunities that they, you know, you're never going to get elsewhere. And give Reggie his fucking Heisman give back. back. And USC, that's another, one of those teams that will probably come back. Oh, yeah, they got yeah. big-time boosters. Yeah, yeah. Got, and Lincoln Riley now. Remember their and, boosters? Uh-huh. Oh, their yeah. boosters, their boosters were paying oh, like five hundred thousand dollars to be on a water polo. Hell yeah! Just let them in the school. Hey, just just go stand in the the shallow end of a pool. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what, it. They were like this high out of the water. Oh yeah, and just a little Photoshop. Great yeah. Great vertical. <laughs> Might be the most explosive water polo player of all time. I need that kid. What was that called? The academic admissions scandal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. The side door, the back yeah. door, the front door. Yeah, but what was that? Uh, the, the documentary about it? Yeah. It was about Mossimo. Yeah. yeah. We got to get to a break. We got to get to a break. Uh, there was a guy running yeah. all these Ivy Leagues in schools that were just getting people's money to get their kids in the mm -hmm. side doors, just taking photos of... Perfect. This thing was frozen for a little bit too, so I didn't know if it was working or not. Classic. Um, well, yeah, because I mean that thing's a this thing's shit. a piece yeah. of shit. Well, AJ spilled uh, an entire can of whole Celsius new on. deal too, and here we are so, still. Yeah, hot sauce, Celsius, <laughs> everything mm -hmm. spilled on it. Mountain Dew, poop. Who put poop? On? I'm sure AJ's hands were crushed. All right, let's get to a break. Uh, All right, let's get to a break. <laughs> Let's get to a break. Good college football talk here, boys. Yeah. yeah. Happy we did that. Good, good season. Good season. Yeah, it was good college football season. Yeah. Congrats to the dogs. It is the reigning, defending, undisputed MVP of the NFL. A man who's staring down a bye week here because their team is seated so high, they got home field advantage and a week to chill to maybe make the toe, which is no longer an issue, oh, yeah. even less of an issue around the rest of the team. Ladies and gentlemen, AJ Hawk and Aaron. AJ's gone? No, AJ. There's AJ full is... panic in the back. I didn't wow. know where was going. Oh. AJ's pooping right now, I think. Oh, oh my no. God. Yeah, Hawk. I hope he goes to the bathroom. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Is he okay? What do you think's going on with AJ, Aaron? Oh, I don't know. He... He's usually constipated. <laughs> And if anybody that knows him well knows that he can do multiple segments in a show with, you know, a 64-ounce uh, soda drink underneath his desk or whatever he's doing and piss, you know, four or five times probably. So. I, yeah, I did, is he actually doing that? I always wondered and assumed that that is the case because he has made the joke before. And ladies and gentlemen, joining us, the man who is probably peeing underneath his desk as we speak. Attaboy, AJ. Attaboy, AJ. AJ. I don't know what happened, man. That was my first call, Zeke. Attaboy, Aaron. Hey, AJ. Welcome back, dude. Aaron, are you mad when you – I know you've had private conversations where you told me that Ben stole that from you. Are you upset, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> this is his attempt at a comeback. Can't get me, though, bro. No, can't get him. Can't get him. I'm like, I'm like Chuck Berry, man. You try and try hold me down, you can't get me, though. Oh, yeah, you appeased AJ there with your answer. <laughs> Obviously took that a little toxic, had to do it. Uh, let's dive right into the subject that everybody wants to hear about. 
Okay, there was a leaked piece of information from an inside source that Boomer Esiason and Geo decided. Boomer, by the way, the hardest working human on earth. Yeah. By far. I have never seen anybody like it or anything like it. We can only hope to one day work as hard as Boomer Esiason. Anyways, he and Geo broke some news from a trusted source, is how it was described, that Aaron Rodgers is ready because his 90-day window of not getting tested comes back right before the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is ready to hold the NFL hostage unless they change the rules going forward. He has already told Jordan Love to get your ass ready. Hey, I'm Aaron Rodgers. I worked my ass off this season to get to a Super Bowl, something in which I'm judged about every single day. Once we get here, hey, Jordan, you're the fucking quarterback now, dude. I'm going to get out of here. That was read on air. That took over the entire internet you answered obviously in the way that you answered my question is this why do you think that is even something that is believable to them to read onto air legitimately what do you think it is do you think it's because there's people with an axe to grind against you do you think it's because the narrative for so long why was that something that was even like hey this could be real you think i mean you have to bring all the possibilities into place uh ratings we need more ratings it's become you know, fairly standard, mention me in the same sentence and use tag words like uh, doctor or Joe Rogan or ivermectin or COVID or fill in the blank, COVID toe, you know, and you're going to get you're gonna get some ratings. And like I said, you know, I've, I've given a lot less fucks the last couple of years. Yeah. But one thing I do give a major fuck about is uh, narratives. Uh, about me, especially ones that are so ridiculously off base. And this one was pure comedy for me. Uh, But, but when pure comedy turns into like more reputable, and I say slightly more, but slightly more reputable uh, news outlets who then mention that to where it becomes even a a bigger story. I just felt like it was, it was time to, uh, you know, to end that. And, you know, we had some fun. Kurt jumped in, Kurt Bankert, and then J-Lo jumped in. And we had we had a, a good time with that. Matt Flynn jumped in afterwards. But, I mean, look, let me just say this. And I know he used direct circle instead of inner circle. Maybe there's a de- delineation between the two. No one in my inner circle, okay, is talking to the media. No one had, you know, no one that I trust and care about and have conversations with is talking to any media member. Is going to like leak anything? I told AJ this too. Of like, I you know I like to have a good sense of humor and and joke around and stuff. That topic that was brought up is so ridiculously stupid. It's even past the point of you would never even joke about that. Like, do I have an issue with some of the the protocols? Of course, but. I would never even joke about this. The dumbest fucking thing. It's so dumb. I wouldn't even joke about it. That's how dumb it is. Like so, there there's, couldn't be anybody in my inner circle, in my direct circle, in the circle after that, who would ever have like any bit of information to go. Oh, this one time you may have been joking about it. Remember that one time you said COVID toe on the McAfee show, and then we wrote about it as being true. Same situation we can do here. What if we just say he's going to boycott 
the Super Bowl. I mean, how fucking stupid is that? Nothing <laughs> <laughs> you could possibly imagine. The, like, you know, and I told J-Lo, hey, J-Lo, by the way, in five weeks, you know, if we make the Super Bowl, you know, and have this amazing run, be ready. <laughs> I mean, it's the, like it's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Luckily, we had a blast with it. We had so much fun. Kurt was amazing. J-Lo jumped in. Flinny jumped in. But come on now. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Like, they even go on the air with that. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, that, that was, it was believed. It almost seems like they wanted parts of it to be true somehow. It's unreal. I mean, come on. Like, how do you know? Is, hey, but how do you know which ones you're going to address and which ones you don't address? Because you can't go after all of them, and you know no, there's and I always wanna, asinine I things out there. I don't want to go, but but to say some asinine stuff like that, I mean, deserves a response. Have and you reached response, out to try to see? I w- couldn't you reach out to him and say, "Hey, who is this source? I think I would like to know who it is, so you know you can't trust this person." I mean, I'd love to say the source. Well, like, that never happens. I mean, that's that's not how. Except for you and Doctor Joe Rogan. I'd love to know who this person in my direct circle was. Right. That Alex said Jones, that. probably. So <laughs> or Jones. Maybe it's Doc. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. I'm happy we addressed it. Obviously, what I'm saying, though, and the way I asked that question was, I can't believe that somebody believed it enough to report it, though. Like, And that is an issue, I think, in the grander scheme. Like, People at some point, even after two years... Well, multiple sources, Pat. There are multiple sources in my direct circle. I'm like, come on, man. Why would I play in to the majority of people in a meaningless week 18 game? Oh yeah. And then and then what I care about and train for in the off season and focus on during the season and and manifest thoughts to my teammates to to have this on our mind, winning a Super Bowl. You think I would do all that? And play in a meaningless game to most people in week 18 and then boycott the Super Bowl. Yeah. You don't know me. And yeah. that's my hope. Whether you're Pornhub or wherever this person <laughs> might direct Super Bowl is, you, yeah. you don't know me. So, you don't know me, so stop talking as if you do know me or you have some sort of idea. Hey, all right, dude. Hey, I'm happy you got here. Yeah, hey, that had to feel pretty good. That had to feel pretty good getting out there. And whoever her, uh, did this or, you know, has maybe a false narrative about you, about preconceived notions from years ago before listening to you, literally, hey, we just finished another season of you stopping by every single day off for like an hour every single time. We appreciate you, man. Thank Honestly. you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Love you, Aaron. And there was a lot of people that went to your uh, to bat for you that probably wouldn't have in the past before the show, and they said, do you not listen to this dude ever on Tuesdays because you have been a pretty open book with us, I think. Honestly, I'm not 100% sure if any. There's always been weekly interviews that people do with either local radio. We're very lucky that we get to do it on the Internet with a broader audience of people that are around the world. World. This has always happened. I don't know if those local radios or anywhere else, and there's a lot of very talented people, I'm not sure, but it's on the player to do the other end of it. You have been very transparent with us like this entire time, and I think a lot of people have learned a lot about you. So uh, we appreciate the hell out of you, dude, and I'm happy you just told somebody to go fuck themselves without even knowing who it is, you know, because I like that too. You know, I like doing that every once in a while. Go fuck whoever <laughs> did this whole thing. Let's move on to this week 18 meaningless game. 
Hey, the big giraffe was back out there. Maul and Bakhtiari's back traveling. He's making interesting, awesome videos to announce he's Bach. And uh, how do you think he fit in? Were you happy for him? Why did you choose to play as much as you did? I mean, you played a lot longer, I think, than some of us thought. There was other teams that had like one series and went back, one play and went back so they could keep the consecutive starts going. Uh, that was Kelsey shout out. And there was others that did that as well for um, incentives. Why'd you want to continue to play? And what was it like to have the big draft back out there at left uh, tackle? It was great having him back. It's fun to uh, to run out on the field with him. He's got a very recognizable uh, jog slash, you know, lope that he has. Uh, but it was so fun being back out there. We had a conversation midweek last week, and he was really on the fence, maybe thinking he wasn't going to play. And I said, look, I'm going to play. Uh, Josh is going to play. What if you went out there and, and you felt good Thursday at practice? You know, what if what if you went out there and played some some uh, some plays? And I think he kind of wrapped his head around that, and and hopefully he didn't feel any extra pressure from me. But I'm so happy that he that he got to play in that game. He played I think 28 snaps. Seemed like uh, on the field in game and going back and watching, he played really well. Uh, we were laughing because. Uh, last week he was telling me early in the week, like Monday or Tuesday, he was saying, uh, when I was like, man, you got to play. This is before I kind of pushed him. He's like, you yeah, know, you're playing so good. You're getting the ball out. I don't want to come back and you to think you could hold on to the ball now. because <laughs> I said, I won't be, you know, I won't be a hundred percent myself yet. Uh, and I said, I said, okay, okay. And then, you know, I had a play where I kind of looked left, looked right, ran left, ran up to the right, got some yardage, and I was walking back to the huddle, and all I see is the big giraffe just shaking his head at me. And I know he's thinking, what are you doing? Can we talk about this? Get rid of the football. So it was, it was good having him back. But it was good having Josh out there for the first half as well. He's been out a number of weeks with his knee injury. Uh, that's why I wanted to be out there. I mean, not just to you know be out there with Tay, get him, get him the record, but those – you know, having Josh and, and Dave back, I needed to feel kind of uh, the urgency and the energy on the field. And uh, everything picks up as the season go on, goes on, and the, and the tempo kind of picks up a little bit as we get into the playoffs as well. So I think it was great for Dave to play, great for Josh to play. They both came out healthy, it seems like, and they, uh, you know, uh, they both uh, played well. Hey, what do you think of uh, two of your offensive coaches being interviewed by the uh, the Broncos for head coaching opportunities? You happy for these guys? And are we trying to say, all right, they're trying to clear the path to get you to Denver? Oh, jeez. There it is. <laughs> I knew, you know, we talked last night. I knew you were going to say, you know, some sort of <laughs> some speculation. But, I, you know, I also uh, talked to Marquez yesterday, Valdez Scantling, and, and he gave me, you know, a few of my teammates dabble in the uh, fashion industry, right? They got their own clothing lines. You got Alan Lazard with the ATT and – I've worn the Bobby Tunyon, Big Bob Tunyon, you know, his construction sweatshirts, Tunyon family. And Marquez gave me this hat. He has a brand called Successful Innovative Kings, S-I-K. Ooh, that's sick, dude. Sick. And I told him I would wear the beanie to, uh, in the, on the McAfee show and try and say something really controversial to get the most amount of attention. <laughs> so people wonder what that brand is. Uh, as a little uh, thank you for, you know, him you know, being a friend and a, and a great teammate. Uh, I'm not going to with my answer to this question, but I did want to give a shout-out to uh, 
to Quez and the sick brand. Um, oh, so now's the time to give the answer, right? Now would be the time in your brain the way you thought. Aren't you happy for these guys getting an interview? Hey. That's what I'm getting to, bro. Oh, okay. I'm okay. very happy for these guys. I'm I'm happy anytime we get guys on our staff with opportunities. We got a great staff on both sides of the ball, and I'm really happy for for Nathaniel. I mean, I think he's he's. Uh, this is a little overdue, to be honest. I mean, I think he's. Been around a game for a long time. What he did in Jacksonville, I think, was pure magic. Uh, getting them within a quarter of the Super Bowl uh, was yeah. incredible. He's a he's a great coach. I love spending time with him. He's a fantastic teacher. He's incredible in front of the room, and I'm really happy for him. And Luke Getze as well. You know, he's uh, about a month younger than me, so that's pretty awesome. You know, for him to get that opportunity. But he's been around the game for a long time. He was, you know, in the QB room and the receiver room. Uh, back in the, uh, you know, then he went down to college and, and was offensive coordinator uh, in the SEC and then came back. He's been in our room for three years now. He's a fantastic coach. He's a really good teacher of the game. Uh, I'm excited for him as well. You know, it's it's great when our guys get opportunities. There's other guys on the staff that probably deserve opportunities too, not just for head coach but for coordinator positions. So uh, the most important thing is to have a stable of coaches where if you have a guy that gets an opportunity, you can have a guy fill in. And I think we're starting to get there with some of the guys we got in assistant positions. The guy that wears no gutchies, you know, in the offensive line room. I think Boy, has caught him. Has an opportunity to, he definitely does, an opportunity to, you know, to lead a room at some point. Ravel Martin, former player uh, and teammate of mine, is, is uh, you know, helping out in the receiver room. He's a fantastic young coach. And uh, Connor Lewis as well, who's done, done uh, analytics for a long time. Now he's helping out with special teams. You know, he'll get an opportunity at some point. So that's the key. You have to have coaches who are ready and, and waiting when uh, when some of the uh, established guys get opportunities. Hey, Aaron, it seems as if LaFleur has just done a fantastic job as a head coach. And when he was hired and everything you do is speculated upon, it became a big story. And obviously the first year, down years for you, are career years for other people. Mm -hmm. There is audible moments in which they're saying, Aaron's not letting the floor do his job. Or Aaron has played quarterback at this place for a long time. Maybe he should say, like, hey, maybe if I could change something, we should do it. You guys have that Zoom call where you want in the offseason or numerous Zoom calls where you all got on the same page. And you say that he's incredible at delegating work alongside his assistants. And he has this incredible record win-loss, but he doesn't really get as much credit because he has a GOAT playing quarterback for him actively. What do you think it is about LaFleur that makes him a good head coach? And how do you think, like, Getze or any of these other guys will be as a head coach? Because I think you just went in there, they can lead a room and everything like that. There's a lot of bad hires that happen. How the fuck did, uh, you know, the Packers strike gold with LaFleur, you think? And what what has he done as a young coach in his first job that has really made it an easy transition? Because a lot of people stink whenever they get in their head coaching jobs. Well, a lot of that is that, you know, it's it's the one-off of nepotism. It's, you know, it's it's a who-do-you-know business so often. And and if you have it on a, uh, you know, kind of a... Uh, list of, uh, of, of people to, uh, who can vouch for you as being a good coach, uh, and they're all close friends who've been around the game forever, you know, your reference list, uh, that can that evoke some of this nepotism that exists, you know, to get guys who still get jobs who might, you know, the word is kind of out there but not out there enough to where it stops them from getting these opportunities. I think what we did was we went out and, and found uh, a guy who would fit, who would fit uh, in the region, 
who would uh, bring together a good staff, who him and I could get along well. Um, and, you know, it's obviously worked out uh, really well. Uh, he communicates well. He delegates really well. And he's got a great mind. You know, I think the most important thing uh, for a head coach to do is work and put in the time. And he does. I mean, he works his ass off. And he's a very creative mind. Um, but you, you have to have balance, but you also have to have that work ethic. And, you know, Matt leads by example in that, in that uh, department. Nobody works harder than he does. Nobody spends more time. And it's, not, it's not this bullshit, you know, where, oh, I was in there till 7.30 last night. And, you know, it's some of this, this, you know, stuff gets out there. No, he, when he's in there, he's grinding. And, and he's got some good coaches on the staff to balance him out. You know, Stenovich and, and Hackett, um, who are wound a little less tight, but, but he's a grinder, and uh, he deserves a lot of the credit. Uh, and I hope he wins Coach of the Year because that put a nice little bow on, uh, on three incredible years. Yeah, I think so, too. And his eyebrows, I mean, you, you, you wanted to boycott him. I don't know how you could ever boycott something those per- those things that perfect. You know what I mean? Those things properly placed right above. Like, hey, how are eyebrows supposed to look? Boom! Coach Matt Lafleur every single game. Yeah, yep. Is that every day? A lot of guys got to pay for that kind of look. <laughs> That's every day he woke up like this. He wakes up like that. Yeah. Wow. Good for I mean, him. Good looking Whoa. guy. Hey, good. For a lot him. of credit. A lot of credit to Bree, though. I mean, his wife. I've, I've mentioned her before. A lot of credit to Bree. You know, so many coaches, H knows this, so many coaches are, you know, incapable of doing just about any oh, yeah. task other than coaching football. And that's why you got to have a, you know, stud, stud at wife behind, behind some of these guys to, to help them out. So and you're saying LaFleur can't, you know, cook, do laundry? I'm not saying, no, I'm not saying that. I just want to give, I want to give Bree her due because, uh, she's a she's an amazing woman, and being a coach's wife, I'm sure, is pretty tough. But uh, I know she probably dresses him. She probably is the one that plucks his eyebrows. Um, so big, big kudos to Bree. Hey, shout out to Bree. Shout out, Bree. Uh, you're doing a great job. Hey, you're on display in front of 27 million people. You know, yeah. every time her work is seen by a lot of people, she's crushing it. Go ahead, Ty. Aaron, you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier with the tempo increasing as the weeks go on. Now that you're in the playoffs, does your preparation or like how you're going to prepare for games does that change at all or not really? No, I don't think it should. It's kind of the answer after week one. When the big freak out happened, oh, what's going on? Oh, you guys are going to be the shits this year. And it's like, if the preparation isn't good enough when shit hits the fan, it's never going to be good enough. And if, if the preparation has to change, oh, now we're in the playoffs. Now we really got to fucking amp this shit up. Then then you're probably not, uh, not preparing the right way. So it, it stays the same. I think the tempo naturally just picks up a little bit. And I think that's just due to every team is now good. You know, there's it's the NFL, so there's great players on every team. But the teams that are left, and when we play, there'll be eight teams left uh, in the divisional round, four on each side. It'll be the best of the best. And when you're playing against the best of the best, naturally, the tempo picks up, the urgency picks up, the difference between winning and losing is shrinks even farther. And and I guess that's natural progression. But as far as preparation goes and the approach, it has to it has to you have to use what got you there. And if you're not, then you're admitting without admitting that you're freaking out and 
we're not going to freak out in Green Bay. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. How do you do that, though, for the playoffs when, like, okay, like it seems like you're smiling, having fun. You've been doing it forever, but maybe some young guys that don't have as much experience, how do you make it to where, yeah, they understand how important it is, but you don't like, oh, we're holding on too tight. We're not playing like we did all year. That's a great media question from you, AJ. Thanks for asking. Hey, boy, AJ! Thank you for the misinformation you've been spreading on this program. (laughs) Not on this program. Please. Jesus. Uh, It pales in comparison to the disinformation that people have been spreading about me. Big difference. Disinformation and misinformation let you look that wrong. But uh, I think you have to remind these guys. Are we back in it? You have to remind these guys, uh, you know, the importance of, of preparation, the importance that this is win or go home. But then you just have to model. You have to model what, uh, you know, uh, confidence looks like, model what a lack of freaking out looks like, model what stability and consistency looks like. And if you haven't, I mean, our guys, our best leaders have been doing that all season long. You know, it's you don't ride this roller coaster wave. You try and be the same guy day in and day out. You try and be consistent. You try and you know look for opportunities to, to lead and to speak up and and just remind guys you know if they're lacking in confidence or the anxiety's picking up, just look at you know look at me, look at Devante, look at Big Dog, look at the Big Giraffe, look at Kenny Clark and Smash and Preston and and Rasul and, and look at these guys who play with that confidence, and that consistency and tap into some of that energy and, and refocus. Yeah, Green Bay, you know, is going to be quite an advantage for you guys too all the way through. Is that, you know, obviously you expect that, you hope it, hope for it, but people having to fly into Antarctica, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. you know, and play against not only you in that turf, in the weather, but those cheeseheads. Oh, oh boy. Hell yeah. I mean, they're going to be drunk from what? the ace hard. Why? 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 They're going to be shirtless with overalls. Why? Why? Chugging brews in Why? the freezing temperatures. Why? Why? And then Bia Bia is going to be in there for her 97th straight year of not missing a Green Bay Packer game. I mean, that is a massive ordeal. As you have this bye week this weekend, that has to feel pretty good. That you guys aren't going to have to travel the rest of the way until you get to Los Angeles. That, that feels incredible, and that, that's our advantage. You know, last year we hosted a couple of playoff games, didn't have any crowd. I didn't have our Green Bay weather. So it'd be nice to have at least one of those. This year we do. We'll have, you know, close to 80,000 strong, and maybe we'll have some weather as well, which would be guilty. But, but, yeah, playing at home is a huge advantage. It is. And it's a bigger advantage with our crowd, a bigger advantage even than that with our weather. Um so we're going to we're going to make the most of it. We're going to have a good week of practice outside this week. It's been really cold. The wind chill was uh, minus 8 yesterday. So we're going to we're going to embrace the next 3 good days luck. out of practice and enjoy that and and then and, you know get ready for whatever opponent uh, comes through this weekend. Obviously if uh, one of the uh, uh, lower seeds wins on Sunday, we'll play them. If not, we'll play the winner of the Monday night game. Um, a couple uh, NFC West opponents. So three of the four possibilities are all NFC West opponents. We played the NFC West this year. Um, so we have a lot of familiarity there uh, with those teams, other than with uh, the only team we don't is uh, Philly. But we'll be excited about uh, whatever team 
uh, wins and gets the opportunity to come up to Green Bay, and we'll be uh, we'll be ready for him. You do know Coach Sirianni, though, pretty good from our show. I, I do recall if you uh, – we have Coach Sirianni every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Coach, he, he the only knowledge he has of your team is just of you on this show. So shout-out to you, dude. Yeah, thank you. Uh, just a heads-up, Aaron. If we do end up playing you guys, the recipe is very simple. We're going to try to run it down your throats every <laughs> single play. Okay. Is that that dog mentality? Yeah, we have dog mentality. Again, for several weeks now I've been saying we bite, we don't bark, and we will be barking and biting if we have to come play at Lambeau in the sub-zero temperature. It's very cold, dogs. I don't know how you're going to be able to do it, but those dogs hunted a few years ago. They'll be able to figure it out again. Go ahead, Tone. Aaron, what do you think about, what do you say to the people who actually thought two NFL teams were going to kneel it out so they could both get in the playoffs? <laughs> well, they probably thought, the same people that thought I was going to boycott the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will tell you, it, it, it did get a little interesting there, though, right? Two-minute warning happens. Run by Vegas, no timeout. Run by Vegas, no timeout. I will say there was an article that uh, I think the name is Bill Barnwell wrote for ESPN. That was a good article I read after the game uh, because there were a lot of theories about what was going on and people were blaming um, LA's coach Staley for calling a timeout there even though the play clock was way down. Uh you know, Herm Edwards said once, I think you play to win the game, right? I don't think anybody wanted a tie, but there were a lot of us who love football and also love, you know, the anxious moments who were kind of, when it was 29-14 and L.A. scored and got the two-point, you started thinking, what if they tied it up? What if they went to overtime? What if it got under five minutes and the team was in the, the minus territory. What are they going to do? You know, all kind of the scenarios that were going through their, their minds because both teams knew, hey, we get, we tie, we're both getting through. Then all the Yenzers back in Pittsburgh were losing their freaking minds going, can right, somebody just was, win this GD game, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was exciting uh, for sure. But I think it would have been, you know, a real shame to see, you know, three kneel downs there. Um, and I don't necessarily, I saw there's an Austin Eckler clip about, uh, you know, maybe asking if they were going to kneel it down. I don't know what the reference was to, but I do know on third down before the timeout, I believe that the Raiders were in the gun, probably going to run some sort of inside zone handoff with maybe a RPO opportunity, but they weren't going to take a knee in the gun. So any of those theories should be kind of wiped away uh, and, and not given a whole lot of credence to, but. That was a great game. I thought with Herbert, the throws that Herbert made uh, were pretty amazing. I think he had a fantastic year. Um, big play by a former teammate of mine, Casey Hayward, mm. um, you know, in that game. And then I'm happy for Derek. I've known Derek for a long time, and I enjoy, um, you know, keeping in touch with him. Yeah, you texted him. Huh? You texted him, say, go win a ball game? That's all. I didn't know you were tight with Derek Carr. I don't think any of us knew that. Yeah, you know, I've I've just enjoyed our conversations. He kind of reached out through Devontae a few years ago, and you know, in the off season, and then we had some conversations. And I just I think he's a really respectful guy. Uh, I think he's been through a, a crazy amount of adversity this season, you know, with uh, what happened to, to John and and all the moving parts. And I just sent him some encouragement before the game, uh, you know, just because I. I do enjoy the person, and I enjoy the way that he handles he handles his business. Did you see him come out of the tunnel on that one side oh, shot? Oh man! Oh my yeah, god! Sick. He was 
humming. There's this like 8K shot from the side, either running alongside of him on the other side of the tunnel where he comes skipping out at full speed. It looks electrifying. He wins a lot of games. That Raiders team is Richie Bisaccia. Hey, how's your family? How's your family? They're in the playoffs. I think just like you on that third down play, they gain any yards. They're probably going to kick a field goal. If they get stopped there, maybe kneel it out. Maybe the game's over. But I, I think they had to get a stop on that play regardless, either with a timeout or without a timeout. I mean, Staley said that he was he wanted to get Linville Joseph on the field, you know, who's a big uh, behemoth of a run stopper. And that's why he called timeout. I think if they get there, what are they at there? They're on the 41? 39. They're on the 39-yard line? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 57, I think it would have been. That's a long ball, I guess. I, don't I mean, know. they're still going to do it if they get stuffed or maybe get a yard. They probably call timeout with a couple seconds left and, and, uh, and you know, kick a field goal. And they make it, they're in, and they miss it, they're in. You know, this, this idea that they wouldn't have kicked it because of catastrophe. You know, getting it blocked. Like, it's just, look, you play to win the game. I don't know. Nobody wants to be a part of that. You want to get the playoffs? Of course, nobody wants to be a part of like kneeling the shit out to take a tie. I would lose my mind. I, you know what would make me lose my mind almost as much as that? Third and nine on the minus five. Oh. Let's go in, in uh, goal line personnel and run a QB sneak. <laughs> yeah, you would, you, would, you would call time out there. We'd audible. Call, call that one in, Matt, and let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> That shit ain't flying. Oh, that would be awesome. Fourth uh, quarter. Unbelievable. The breakdown that uh, Orlovsky. that Orlovsky had on that was pretty amazing. Damn. So, shout out to Big Don. <laughs> Don Orlovsky for that. Dane. Dane's his name. Dane's his name. But you're right. You're 100% right. And there's an aptitude, it seems like, in a lot Players of got to execute, Pat. Well, if, by the way, everybody is man for man there. Hey, there's 10 on yeah. 10 there. There's 10 on 10. Quarterbacks just got to make one person miss. They weren't able to do that, obviously. That is a shame. And making some space for the punt. You talking about the strategy and... You know, you're such a deep thinker. And obviously the media thing is, well, if this guy was to coach, he'd be a great coach. The year that Peyton was hurt, uh, and we had Curtis Painter quarterback and um, Dan. Dan and who was that? Kerry Collins. Yeah. Kerry Collins died week one. J.J. Watt picked him up and dumped him on his head. Kerry Collins was called out of a hunting stand in Tennessee to come play quarterback <laughs> for us. And then immediately after, you're like, hey! <laughs> regretted it. Like, Get me the hell out of here. And then Kerry. Right, right? Hey, Kerry is a Kerry's a great guitar player, I believe. Right? Oh, is he? I, I will later. We'll he's a sing, he's a singer songwriter. I'm pretty sure. He was a nice guy. Always had good conversations with him. We enjoyed a lot of that. But as Curtis Painter was playing quarterback, he's doing terrible, terrible, terrible. We played at Cincinnati. Peyton was there with us. On the sideline, one drive, he was looking up at the Jumbotron, and he was calling the offense. He was signaling it in to Curtis Painter the year he was out. Okay, so he was actually calling it. We go right down the fucking field. I mean, boom, 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 boom. Touchdown. I assume that's because Peyton can see and has called a game and been there, done that, through that all. You put the headset on the other day, and I saw a picture. Literally 16 seconds later, there was a touchdown. There, mm-hmm. like, the next play, it was that, were you calling plays? What did you call? And is that something that intrigues you at all to do later in life? No, I didn't call any plays. Oh. Uh, I had nothing to do with that. Uh, I just think that there's times where – I had the, the earpiece on, and I, I didn't want to put the headset on until the fourth quarter just because I wanted to give it a little bit more time until I chimed in there and just see where we're at in the fourth quarter. 
Uh, Matt, there was you know some conversation on the headset. I could feel Matt's blood pressure pressure was rising a little bit. I can be kind of a calming force on there. I think uh, as I've realized in preseason at times. So fourth quarter hit. I told Pat uh, with the headsets. I said, "All right, it's time. Give me this thing. You know, okay. <laughs> strap in. We gotta we gotta we gotta level everybody out a little bit." Um, but no, I didn't call any plays. Uh, I helped out in the, in the two minute with some ideas, um, but I didn't call any plays. You enjoy it? We doing that for in the future or what? No, man, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be uh, away from the game when I'm all done. What are you gonna do? Hey, five years from now when you retire, what are you gonna do? Ten years from now when you retire, what are you gonna do? Probably write a book. Oh, oh. Nice about what? About COVID. <laughs> <laughs> COVID. <time. laughs> I'm going to write down all the crazy-ass stuff you used to do and put me through, drinking those lipids and Come on. eye cheats and who knows what the hell and all the all the great wisdom you gave me as well. You know, good, about what it's good. like to be from Ohio and be fucking real tough. <laughs> you, know, you know about Centerville. That's right, man. What, what about any level? Would you coach in high school? Uh, high school, I think, would be fun. I really do. I think what Phil's doing – that's got to be a blast because you're still a part of it. You can have a big impact on the kids. I played every level, including junior college, which is a fun level between high school and, and, uh, and big college. But you can still have an impact on the kids. I think in college, in, in high school, is a lot. In college, it's, it's a you know, it's a lot of times it's this weird authoritarian setup. I'm the you know coach, and I'm this genius, and you're just a you know shipbird scholarship player. Listen to me, or I can bench you and put another scholarship guy in there uh high school there's a different and then junior college well junior college was such a fun year and i obviously had the greatest of uh of coaches ever probably in history of junior college and craig rigsby oh uh shout out uh to coach riggs but but i had a great experience but high school you can have a big impact on the kids and i think what phil's doing he's probably having a blast coming up with plays and and being able to kind of speak into those kids lives and give them Give them hope and also give them a great experience because there's nothing like 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 high school football where you're you know you're just playing with your buddies and going to campus wearing your jersey and uh, you know Friday nights uh, college or high, college high school football is pretty special. Okay, so retirement you've thought about it apparently, huh? Is that something that just happened there? You would high school coach? You just had a pretty in depth answer. Holy shit! I mean, you've obviously thought about this whole thing, writing a book, hopefully doing. You know, some maybe shows, talk yeah, shows. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe sure. maybe doing some shows with okay. some people. Uh, the, you said last year, I think, that you see you're on the back nine or something. You understand that. Then there's always these rumors, you know. He was thinking and contemplating this, and I don't know if that whole thing. Whenever you're having this good of a year, is it even possible to think that you're never going to experience this again? You're probably in the middle of this wave. You have to feel – put up that record of touchdown-interception ratios in the history of football. Minimum 500. Literally, you have the top six in the history of the game when it comes to being a touchdown thrower versus giving the ball to the other team and keeping them in the game. You are playing at your absolute best right now. When you think about the future, what do you think? You just think, okay, if I take care of myself well enough, if I get in and I continue to do what I'm doing, I could, I should be able to play forever, especially with the new rules that are being put into place for quarterbacks and protection. Is that your thought process? Do you ever get into it? It's about it's about quality of life and and enjoyment. And if it's still fun, and I can still play, then there's a lot more reason to play. But if it doesn't have the same type of enjoyment, if I can't 
mentally commit to it uh, fully, then then I think you you need to think about doing something else. Um, you know, I don't want to be a oh, this could be the my last year, this could be my retirement. I just I want to trust how it feels and and where I am mentally. Um, this has been a really really fun year. I've I've loved uh, so many different parts of it. I think the adversity has made it even that much sweeter because I've gotten opportunities to stand up for what I believe in and also uh, meet people and communicate with people that I never would have actually gotten a chance to, to talk to. I also uh, have got, you know, incredible support. Um, and then being able to, to have all those different things uh, coming at you and still be able to compartmentalize and go out on the field and play your best is, I mean, I take a lot of pride in that for sure. And the, the connections with my teammates and to, to help inspire them, um, you know, listen, listen to them, help them with their issues, you know, communicate my own mistakes and failures and try and help them do better. I, I love that. I love that opportunity to be a leader and, and, to, and all the other parts of my job that don't involve me going out on the field and, and playing on game day. Um, but you know, it's a commitment. I think every year is a commitment and, you know, I think I'll know where I'm at when I, I see zeros on the clock in my, in our last game this season and, and, uh, you know, take some time to contemplate and have the right conversations and then, you know, make a decision uh, without wasting too much time. Hey, that confetti's going to be falling, huh? Yeah, We're, please oh, don't yeah. leave. Hey, that confetti's going to be falling, zero, zero, zero. Yeah, you know right. Mean? That's what we're doing. We're going on a run. Right? My team's out. Indianapolis is out. We're going on a run now, right? We're going on a run. Let's hey, I got go! Hey, I have one final one. Hey, AJ! AJ! What? Nah, don't do that. Put that baby belt away, bro. That's the title. Okay, belts hold up your pants. Stop doing that. Hey, Ben's going to send you a cease and desist for that, that Stop hand saying signal. That, Stop saying that. Thank are you, do you think, Aaron, our, our guy, let's say a guy goes out and they win the Super Bowl towards the end of their career when they're old. you think they're more willing to walk away after you win a big Super Bowl like that or if you suffer a devastating loss? Which one would cause someone to, to retire, I think? That's good journalism. Oh, I think winning, probably. Winning would probably feel better, but... I think that if you still can play at a high level, it's way harder uh, to hang them up, regardless of how your last game goes, win or lose. I think if you're still playing at a really high level, that makes that decision to do it because you're thinking, you know, we're lucky in this life if we are excellent at multiple things. I think that's true, and that's, that's not a knock against anybody, but there's for most of us, we're really good at, you know, maybe one or two things. And you think for, for my profession, this is, there's a finality to it. You know, I'm, I've been really good at this sport for a long time, but there's a, there's a finality at some point. You can't play till you're 70. So you have to start thinking about like, what else am I really good at that I'd want to keep doing or start doing more of or, that would give me the same type of enjoyment. So that that obviously comes into play. But there's also the health stuff too. I mean, guys have retired still playing pretty good because of concussions or being banged up. Or, you know, like Andrew, who was on the broadcast last night. I mean, he's been banged up for like three or four straight years, Andrew Luck. And that, that takes a toll on you. So if you can be healthy and win and still be able to play, that makes it really, really tough to uh, – to move on. I think if you're banged up, you're tired of being sore and rehab and you're worried about head injuries or 
cognitive brain function down the line or CTE or getting multiple, you know, fake knees and hips and different things, you know, if you keep on going, then that would, that would impact you. But if you can still play and mentally commit 100% to it, then it makes that the decision, regardless of win or loss in your last game, it makes that decision, you know, probably a lot easier. We're excited to see you figure out your own happiness, pal. The world awaits, obviously, as this playoff run that goes through Lambeau shall be electrifying. It's a bye week, so there's no book, obviously. We hope everybody decides to read The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by old Mark Manson. This is last week's book mm-hmm. and all the books beforehand. Uh, what's that? What, what was the title of that? Yeah, it looks like you just held up a book there real quick. Oh, you I have admit- a book? Yeah. This is. I was looking at the at the old. This is not a part of the book club. But, whoa, 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 whoa! I think it's kind of a book club. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, well, I did not know this was going to happen. It is a postseason first round by book of the Aaron Rodgers book club. Remember, all the way back, oh, this yeah. thing started with the Alchemist. The subtle art of not giving a fuck was last week. There was a couple Bible length books in between, and now the first playoff book of the Aaron Rodgers Book Club is. This is a bye week. I said we're not doing it. I, I was going to queue up AJ because AJ AJ said he had a book. So now, oh, nobody's going to wow. listen to AJ Hawk's book. No way. <laughs> this is not. I mean, no way this, is that something. Not my club, man. This is all your thing. The Aaron Hawk Book Club. Oh. Aaron James Hawk. Uh, addin- addition to the book club. Oh, guest picker. How many you- hey, how many books do you think in your book club have you actually read? <laughs> in my book club? <laughs> that you have put out. How many of these like 17, 18 books have you actually read, not just looked at the cover? I've read all the books in my book club. <laughs> okay, all right. Fair enough. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> what is this guy's problem, man? A lot of books. I've read this stupid narrative. I, don't, I haven't read these books. Well, you, you need to. You I need was to just read. asking, bro. Stop being so sensitive about it. You guys okay? You guys want to talk about it? You guys want to talk out loud? You you have read the books. Aaron, hey, Aaron and John Kuhn like to argue about who's more sensitive. Oh, let's talk about John Kuhn. You saw John Kuhn on the sideline. He pointed across <laughs> the field and you did a kicking motion. Is that old friends? It was like a pre. It felt like a preseason game almost there for a little bit. Uh, I just trying to give John a little shine. You know, he gets a little upset if he does not on camera on a big box. You know. Big Fox camera every now and then, but but no, uh, we were running. It was halftime, right? There was five seconds on the clock. They kicked a short field goal, and some of the guys took off. And I realized there was two on the on the on the game clock still. Nate, we're a longtime trainer. He was fucking out. He's he sprinted, <laughs> and he he got to the end zone before he realized there was nobody else behind him. Um, so I was kind of over there, and I saw Johnny standing there. Johnny does our sideline reporting for the uh, radio network, and. The guy that does it for uh, the Lions is T.J. Lang, uh, old teammate of ours. Uh, uh, you know, one of the toughest dudes ever on the field, but also one of the biggest, stoutest heads uh, in the whole business. Um, and so I was asking Johnny where uh, where T.J. was because sometimes they'll be on the same sideline from time to time, and uh, so we were laughing about uh, about where big uh, big TJ was. Is that something that the Packers look for? Hey, do you have an enormous cranium? All right, we got AJ, we got Coon. Hey, you see his TJ Lang fucking head? Mm-hmm. Get that guy in our building. All right, let's grab. Hey, Bakhtiar, you seen this thing? Mm-hmm. He's got a gate mm-hmm. that he looks like he bring that massive, gigantic head into Green Bay. You think that's something? I think uh, you know, back when Mike was with us, he wanted some fighters too. 
And, you know, TJ is an old-time bar fighter. So he had those big old meat hooks. And and I think it was a no-brainer. You see this uh, big dude with a big old melon and great jawline with some big old meat hooks who doesn't mind scrapping at a bar every now and then. That's a that's the kind of guy that Mike uh, Mike wanted. Hey, that's a Yinzer through and through. We appreciate that. TJ Lang also hilarious on Twitter. Deserves a lot mm-hmm. more followers oh, yeah. than he actually gets. Ladies and gentlemen, first round by, but the Aaron Rodgers Tuesday delivered yet again. We appreciate you. What's the shirt? I saw the sick hat from uh, MVS. What's the shirt? You never seen Caddyshack? Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah, the uh, the. Uh, Come on, Bill Carl, the greenskeeper. Oh, Bill Murray. Can't believe it. You didn't know that. Well, let's get the guitar out. Let's sing about it, dude. Let's sing about it. <laughs> let's sing about, but sing about our old friend Bill Murray. <clears throat> Still alive, but deserves to be mm-hmm. honored for sure. Yeah. Bird down. Yep. Go ahead. All right. Uh, TJ, TJ just texted me. He's probably probably mad. I uh, you know mentioned maybe the size of his head, but uh, <laughs> big shout out. Shout out to TJ Lang. You know what I mean. Setting that jaw, keep punching. That's his. That's his motto. All right. Well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Rodgers. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah! So sorry to interrupt, but I want to let you know that if you're not gambling with FanDuel, you're wrong. Okay, FanDuel Sportsbook is available in uh, seven states, I believe, at this point. Uh, six, seven, eight. You get it. If you're not gambling with FanDuel Sportsbook, though, you're completely wrong. And if we're not in your state yet, we are coming to your state. We have better odds. We have a much easier to use app. The convenience is next level. The people at FanDuel actually refund people when they shouldn't refund people, giving back hundreds of millions and millions of dollars to their users. FanDuel Sportsbook is the best sports book going for a lot of reasons, most of them what I just said. Uh, we are very thankful for our partnership with FanDuel, obviously. There are so many different ways to win. There's more things to bet on. Their boosts seem to always hit, which is just fucking themselves over time and time again. Uh, we love the hell out of FanDuel Sportsbook, and you will too. If you haven't used it yet, use it now. Nah. Also, there's fantasy on there, daily fantasy, and free-to-play games where you can win money. Shout out to FanDuel. Shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. Now, not just Aaron Rodgers on this particular Tuesday. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a surefire Hall of Famer icon joining us as well. 16-time world champion. He's been a rapper. He's an actor. And on Thursday, premiering on HBO Max, he is the star of the series Peacemaker, a show in which we got a chance to screen a little bit here for the first time in our show's existence. Good for us. Shout out to us. And it's going to be legendary. I think everybody's going to love it. It's going to be a smash hit, ladies and gentlemen, John Cena. Sup, dude? Mr. McAfee, I don't know what was better, the uh, introduction or that tank top. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Hey, you know, every once in a while, you got to throw it. out Tuesday, man. No, every day, John. I do it every day. <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing the same over here. Oh! Oh! If I was you, I would never wear a shirt, though. You are one of the most yoked humans to ever exist, and you've had to do that on TV for, like, 20 years. I am... I, I spent uh, I spent uh, 20 years with my titties out, so I'm pretty <laughs> I think we're in a good spot. Uh, I think you're in a great spot. You crushed it with the WWE. You carried an entire generation. Uh, depending on who you ask, but uh, thank you. You obviously have a... You lean into a, a John Cena bias. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, no problem at all. Okay, so let's dive into it. Let's talk about wrestling before 
before we dive let's in. Let's not dive into it, but no, let's do it. <laughs> okay, let's go head first. Hey, we'll go head first right in. We'll go head first right in. Do you know what? Damn it, Pat. How you doing? How are you? You know, I'm pretty good, John. How are you, man? Everything good? You're busy? Very, very busy, I assume, with the Peacemaker coming out on Thursday? Yeah, but, I mean, you know about being busy, too. We just we try to, you know, I, I would be speaking for you, but I, I think you're probably one of those folks that just uh, tries to take one thing at a time, do the best with what you got in front of you, and move forward, right? Is that how you've been so, able to do so much, you think? Is it because you focus so much on the present? Like, you crush WWE so much. Listen, as a fan, and I know you catch heat probably, and that's why you cut me off earlier and said, depending upon who you ask, you were fucking great, dude. You should re- always remember that, and I hope you understand what, that. Uh, what time is it where you're broadcasting, and how much have you had to drink? No, no, no. I don't drink anymore. I just smoke, but it's 1234 and Eastern. you obviously are on another plane. <laughs> but no, I, I, I appreciate it. Uh, I am on another planet usually, but I, it, it's a real thing. And, and if I'm on another planet all the time while I'm watching it, my uh, rating can be the exact same. You were great. Your promos were unbelievable. Getting to watch you live and listen to that audience give you the love and the buzz was fucking cool, dude. So I appreciate you uh, kind of coming back, doing the run when I was there. It was an honor. It was it was really well, cool see, to fucking once watch. Again, you got you got a. Uh a very um, adjusted view, so I'm, I'm probably at the point where I could be de- uh, deemed a nostalgia act, and you got to see that uh, pretty firsthand. Not, not to say that I didn't uh, treat it very seriously. I love every single time I step on the canvas. But man, had you showed up a little before that, it wasn't exactly all uh, the same reaction as it was for Summer Cena. Summer Cena, to me, I was caught by surprise every single arena I went to because it's usually a lot more as Michael Cole would say uh, polarizing than that so that was kind of my first experience where um, I would say a majority of the audience uh, appreciated my presence there because normally it's weird you, you try to go out and play a character of virtue a character with a, a virtuous foundation and people tell you to fuck off and that's <laughs> and I mean they really would tell me that and that's a that's an interesting combination and that's i think that's what makes wwe beautiful and the live audience so special is because they they decide how they feel about characters you can you can be a virtuous character and you can be a character built on hard work uh loyalty uh respect you can embody perseverance (laughs) you can embody that and the audience can choose as a collective hey this isn't what we're into right now we'd we'd prefer somebody more in the gray or we prefer somebody more flawed so I'm glad you actually got to see um, that reaction, but but being out there for more than just that period of time, I need to let you know that it it, it certainly wasn't always like that. And I was the, I, I was actually really grateful for the fact that it wasn't because it challenged me every single night. If I'm if I'm going to play this virtuous character, I better do a damn good job because not only did they want to tell me to f off, but they were waiting for me to slip up. And they all, the, the audience themselves always kept me at my best, and I'm very thankful for that. Well, I think your promo is why, not only because you're physically capable, you're an incredible athlete, and you adjusted your moveset and skill set, even though you will never get credit for it. But your promo is something that is made you a goat, right? Put you in the Mount Rushmore because of how you could talk. And it's interesting to hear you say, like, well, if I slipped up at all, they were going to fucking bury me, being your motivator. It, are you just, it, you couldn't, 
You you had to take that personally, I guess, huh? Even though in wrestling, you're probably told don't, you don't, you can't. But at some point, you have to take that personally, I'd assume. No, the secret is uh, just drink twenty ounces of bodily fluids every day. <laughs> bar, but that's that's the secret. Uh, no, no, I just um, it wasn't it. It's, it wasn't that I wanted. I didn't want to get eaten alive. I just I'm as passionate as the people on the other side of the barrier. You know. Um, it's WWE is that weird zone where it isn't pure sport. It's not he who runs fastest wins. It is an it is a participation event with every person involved. If you're up in section three thirteen, you are still in the act, and you know when the red light is on, all of us are on TV collectively, and all of our voices are heard. I can only imagine what your perspective is calling that action. As, as another uh, piece of the puzzle to the viewing audience at home, I don't, um, I don't cater to that audience a lot. My, my ethos has always been if everyone in the arena is having a good time, the audience is at home is having a good time. You're right, sporting, by the way. You're right. You are right. When we turn into sporting events, why are we on the edge of our seat? Because the audience is going crazy and there's tension in the air and that's palatable and we can feel it. So I always just wanted the arena to be rocking. And... Uh, Everyone expects and shows up with high energy. And for me to go out there apathetic or uh, wanting to be somewhere else is, isn't, isn't fair to, to all those fans. You know, and hell, I've been a fan. I was in WrestleMania crushing beers before I got waxed by The Undertaker. So uh, I've been a fan. And, and that, that, wouldn't exp- that was one of my favorite experiences of all time because I got to sit out there. And normally I'm peeking around from a curtain. I can't sit and watch a WWE show. I remember when they were like, yeah, we want to put you out there from like uh, like 8.06 to 8.17. I'm like, no, I'm going out when doors open. And I went out at 3 o'clock. And I watched like three hours of WrestleMania. <laughs> it was so cool because they're like, you're going to get mobbed. I'm like, I'm going to get mobbed only for as long as it takes to meet everybody. And I literally, I met like three sections of people. And then everybody's chilled and watched the show. Hey, that's we're watching with John. Yeah. We're watching the show yeah, with John. Yeah, like, hey, man, stop. And then I... I made great friends with some people who travel from Australia, some people who travel from across the U.S., buying each other beers. Like, literally, I crushed, you know, three tall drafts before they told me The Undertaker was there, and I had to hop the barricade and go and go wrestle The Undertaker. But it was that was a great experience for me because I got to, to be something I, I admire and something that I am. I got to be a fan. I got to watch it from the seats. So I guess that's what, that's what kept me on it every night. Uh, earlier performers like, like Undertaker, like Eddie Guerrero, those guys Rest in peace. really leaned into the fact that people paid to see them and they would give them of all of themselves to make sure that you got your money's worth. And I, I learned that le- that message very early on. Okay, so by the way, that's awesome to hear. And I think that is what every fan would hope that the, you know, the he- top big guy, the top guy would uh, have that type of passion. So after all those years of pouring in every single night as if it's WrestleMania every night and every promo is your last promo, everything you have to reprove yourself every single night, that's a chip on the shoulder that elite athletes have. You, you just got exhausted with it. You, you, were you excited for the next chapter? And at what point did you realize like acting is probably going to be the natural move here because I'm great at speaking. I'm already having to do uh, shows and I am absolutely fucking yoked, dude. Like at what point, <laughs> at what point did that whole thing kind of to creep in you know 
And was it because uh, you were exhausted? Uh, we, we are, I, I'll give you all the time you want today, man. This is absolutely the most fun I've had in an interview. I've, I've been waiting to do this for a long time, and you have exceeded expectations. Let's go! Yeah. Thanks for coming on, John. What? Thank you. Uh, no, you know, I, um, in, in playing a character that, uh, you know, like I said, a character of virtue, a character that started uh, as a generic wrestler and then morphed into this um, hip-hop persona and then morphed into this uh, character of virtue, to, to play the same character for a long time is... Uh, is that's a challenge. I loved the challenge. I really loved it when, like, uh, early on, you know, I, I remember Vince toyed with the idea of possibly turning me heel for the for the Rock, the Rock One in Miami. And I told him, I'm like, hey, no problem, 100%, I'll do it. But just remember that this is so, um, we're so deep in at this point, we can't do it and then jump back because we'll be, we'll be sunk at both ends. Yeah. So if we do it, I have to be the opposite of virtue. I have to be pure evil. And we have to go all in. And, and from a believability standpoint, I've always, you know, people always see me in uniform. Fig, go figure that. If you, if, you, if you didn't see me in a suit in WWE, you saw me in a ball cap, T-shirt, jean shorts, sneakers. You saw me in uniform. Because I want, yeah, cause wristbands, because I want people to know that what they see is, is somebody they can relate to. And um, he decided against it. And it's, at that point, he was like, listen, I don't think we're ever going to do it. So that's me getting okay. You can you have the you have the luxury of playing this character, but you always are going to play this character, which was great because it got me to dive into nuances that kind of spawned the creation of like the Firefly Funhouse match, where like yo, what if I went on a meta experience through all of my my flaws and through all like my timeline? So you you know you can do stuff like that, um, but it's really fun to be able to be like. Hey, you want to be this weird dude who thinks he's a superhero and murders people in the name of peace? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds like a great time. I'd like to do that as well. I'm like, hey, you want to be this weird, conflicted boyfriend and have awkward sex with Amy Schumer on camera? And like, yeah, that'd be fun. I can tell some jokes during that. That'd be fun. So um, it's not that I thought I would be any good. It's uh, when you do something for as long as you do it. What brings me back to WWE isn't the falling down. It isn't the uh, improvement of physical skill. It's the storytelling. I like being able to tell uh, a story with, with Roman Reigns that I don't think he's a worthy champion, and for people to buy into that, and not because he's not, uh, not because of the value of the belt. Let's say it's because of who he is as a human being, and point out what I believe is his character flaws, and then we go back and forth. There you go, right on. <laughs> and then we go back and forth about that. Um, I love the challenge of telling a story, and acting is literally just being able to change characters whenever you want and tell a new story. And I found that pretty intriguing. So let's talk about this Peacemaker character because yeah. I'm not a big superhero guy, never have been, okay? And I, I do feel bad because a lot of my friends are. I, what I've learned here, you're in the DC world, okay? Yep. You're in the DC, you're an outcast though. They don't like you and you're for adults after watching a couple of the episodes we got sent. I think the show is going to do very well. I'm not a superhero guy, but early reviews have to be great and you have to be pumped that this is going to be something that's going to be around for, I, how long? Everybody's a superhero oh, yeah. forever. Multiple seasons. Hey, you could potentially be me. the same character, just like Vince told you. <laughs> you could be the same character for the next 20 years. It's awesome, it seems like. Pat, they hired the right guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you may not be a superhero guy, but I got to hear you say it. You got to be a peacemaker guy. Hey, I'm a peacemaker guy, dude. Hey, yeah. hey I'm a peacemaker. Hey, I'm a peacemaker. All right, I'm a peacemaker guy. <laughs> 
I am. I'm in. It was cool. It was awesome to watch. And that's not something I would ever go and check out. But we got a chance to see it. You were in it, right? I'm a fan of yours. You always seem to create great shit. I mean, Ferdinand, dude. Are oh, you Are you yes. kidding me, bro? Yes. And that got an audience pop, too. I appreciate it. You got a hell of a studio in there. Oh, oh, yeah, the boys. Yeah, we're all big Cena fans. I mean, there's, there's going to be questions all around here. We're all big Cena fans. I think the first time I met you, and you meet so many people, and you did, like, however many make-a-wishes with the WWE, your days were filled with nonstop work. There was an NXT event I was at with Michael Cole. Uh, it was one of my first times. And uh, you walked in, and I was sitting in a comfortable chair, and you sat behind me in a bad chair, and I was like, whoa, 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 like this, I should not be here. So I go to get up, I'm like, you want the seat? And you're like, no, no, sit down. And I literally said, hey, Ferdinand's a fucking banger, dude. And then I just turned back around like this, and Cole goes, uh, what'd you say? I was like, I told him that Ferdinand's a fucking banger, dude. That was a great movie. You do, you have a history of making bangers and selecting great movies. You don't have... You've You've seen some of my early amateur work, I see. <laughs> I assume that's the case. You have that in every movie you're in as well. But the um, this Peacemaker is going to be a hit. It's going to be a smash. And, uh, yeah, and I, I hope so. It's, uh, it's like going into a main event where people are interested. We have good reviews. There's a lot of buzz around the character. Everybody's excited for the show to come out on HBO Max. You know, uh, we're two days away from it. I'm I'm in uniform, which means people relate to the character enough for me to they, they gave me the uniform. It's not even mine. DC owns it. So for them to lend out the the Peacemaker IP, I'm I'm very happy about that. It seems like uh it seems like we got something that's interesting on our hands and it's it's that feeling of going into that main event with a little bit of buzz, going into that championship game with a little bit of buzz. And now all we got to do is deliver. And I really hope we can do that to audiences around the world in two days. Well, I think it's going to crush. And HBO Max has such a large platform. People are going to be intrigued as soon as they see, you know, James Gunn. Right? Oh, yeah. James oh, yeah. Gunn. Oh, yeah. That's a big time name in this entire game. In the writing, it's just. Man, I got to tell you, I love the posse you got in there. They're like Team Harumph. Like James Gunn. Yeah, Harumph. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, that's because I get a lot of shit wrong. See, unlike you, you know how you're like, hey, if I get things wrong, they'll crush me for it. I get things wrong on a daily. And the Ah, no, they're much smarter than me, but they do have questions. Actually, Ty yeah. Schmidt was in a uh, Ty Schmidt was in a SmackDown commercial from the uh, WrestleMania in which you sprinted from your seat when Undertaker came back and you ran. He was up on whose shoulder? Up on his chair, I yeah. think, and did a full boom, and it ran in the SmackDown thing. Ty, one of your biggest fans, question? For yeah, me. one of the best moments of my life for seeing <laughs> that. Uh, John, speaking of the creative process. I know you're a producer on this as well, but James Gunn, obviously, like Pat mentioned, very respected, and he you know, directs it and writes it. How much uh, were you involved with kind of like shaping the season, and how much of the character did you get to like play around with as you were getting ready uh, for the show? Uh, that's a great question. I think I probably could have taken more leverage, um, but I didn't want to. Um, I think the, the, uh, the invite to be a producer on the show was Warner's, was DC's, was HBO Max's way of saying, we are invested in you. And we're invested in you so much that we'd like to include you in this process. What I did do was uh, open my ears and keep my mouth shut. I'm around people who make good television. I'm around great storytellers. And James puts a great production team around him. People that know uh, how to get shit done. So I learned a little bit about budget. I learned a whole hell of a lot about COVID protocol, um, you know, uh, daily schedule, uh, I was in my first uh, post-mortem meeting. Like, I learned about their game plan. And I got to pretty much sit in the coach's corner, so to speak, and learn from people with a, a shit ton of wisdom. 
So I really think it was their way of saying we're investing in you, which made which made me feel great. But in no way did I take that title and abuse it. I realized I'm a rookie and I got a lot to learn. And uh, I got a chance to learn from some pretty wise people. And that's exactly what I did. Well, we think you did a great job after watching the screeners. You went all in, too. And I can't thank you enough. All. All in. All in. All in. in. Hey, you. Hey, you might win some awards. We're not just. We're not putting the tip. It's the whole piece. piece. (laughs) All in. And I think you might win some awards. And I can't wait to see your career continue. Ladies and gentlemen, Star of Peacemaker, which comes out on Thursday on HBO Max. John Cena. Thank you. Tip, man. I love talking to you. I hope I can come back. Oh, that's John. In costume, out of costume, whatever you want to do, dude. And uh, just just before we go, I want to congratulate uh, you and your team on all your success. And I also want to congratulate you for your candor upon your announcement of that success. It shows who you are as a person, and that's a damn class act. So uh, hats off to you. Man, thank you, John. We appreciate the hell out of you. Ladies and gentlemen, John Cena. Thank yeah, you. John! Man who got a chance to experience a national championship in the national championship's future forever home. Indianapolis last night. Man who traveled in by plane, then by vehicle, by me, driven downtown. Then we walked to the game, experienced it in the suite, walked back across the city to where Connor's car was, Mm -hmm. drove back and then flew. Had a night of his life, a night that he will never, ever, ever forget. One of the greatest nights of this man's life was just one night ago. We will talk to him about that and also being a Super Bowl champion and a college football national champion. Ladies and gentlemen, A.J. Hall. What a night. What a night, huh? What a night. What a night. Is that true? Is it a national championship in Indianapolis from here on out? Should be. Should be. That's what everybody on the internet was saying. Hey, Jay, and you got to experience it. Go ahead. It's a fast track, man. It's a fast track. The stadium is really sweet. Where we met Connor, I don't know what you call that area, the open area where you can stand and watch the game from up top. Like, it's a pretty cool spot. Yeah, it is. It has a nice little open. You could go on and talk about other stuff, too, that you experienced last night, other than just the last spot as we were leaving. He's leaving. You could talk about how... How loud that place! That place loud with all those dogs there. A lot of dog fans. A lot of dog fans in that stadium. There was a little doubt by you, you know, Ohio State guy. Well, I doubt they're not going to sell this place out. That's oh, oh really? AJ. 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 Okay, okay. AJ, AJ, AJ said they're not going to sell this place out. Come on, dude. Hey, by the way. They, I did not say that, for the record. <laughs> no, he didn't. There was a lot of like me asking him, though, some comparisons to Ohio State and stuff like that, because I think the SEC is just a bunch of Ohio State-like. Like, there's a bunch of cults. Now, yeah. I learned last night, Ohio State has 50,000 undergrads. Damn. So it is huge. huge. So whenever they graduate and go on to wherever they are, Ohio State has uh, just... By math, they have a large fan base, so they're able to travel. And I feel like in the SEC, they all have the similar like cult-like feel as all those people of Ohio State have, because it is different down there. And were you impressed by the dogs, that fan base? I mean, it was 75-25, 80-20 almost. And we there's a lot of reasons. Maybe the Alabama fans said, hey, we're going to be in this thing again next year. We'll go when it's a warm city. Maybe they think, uh, and maybe the Georgia fans went because they knew this was the year where they potentially had a chance to really do it, especially with Stetson Bennett. And their kicker, who is balling out. Uh, but w- were you impressed with the dog fans and the SEC fans yesterday, AJ? Oh, yeah. I mean, leading up to the game, I was impressed with the dog fans and just Alabama fans as well. But we kept seeing videos of the, them calling the dogs on, air, on, on airplanes, in restaurants, everywhere around the country. And then when we got there, yeah, we got to interact with a few of them. 
a few guys that, that may have been overserved a bit <laughs> made a long walk with us too from one area to meet Connor. And I don't know still exactly what was going on, but he was a he was actually an Alabama fan because Alabama was yeah. still winning at that time. Yeah, and Alabama had a small area, and that guy was asking us a lot of questions. You know, <laughs> that guy was asking us a lot of questions. Not times. He's not remember any of the answers. No way. He was so drunk, and they, he had two more beers in his hand. Oh, nice! But they looked like they were both half drank. So I don't know if it was because he spilled them or if he did. He did feel like a guy who could potentially just scoop two people's beers mm-hmm. that are kind of down about that are already half drank. He also struck me as somebody who maybe takes a sip of one and then thinks, well, no, right. I got to take a sip of this one. Right. I got to take a sip of this right. one. Hey, one for me. Right. Right. Two for me. Why? Three for me. Right. Holy shit, is that AJ, huh? AJ, <laughs> you don't even care about who wins this game, huh, AJ? You don't even care. That's what this guy was saying to AJ. <laughs> You don't even care. You guys don't care who wins? He knew. Like, what are you talking about, dude? (laughs) We absolutely care. I think it's cool you don't. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. It was great seeing. I mean, there was a lot of fans, uh, you know, a lot of Southern accents in there last night. Got a chance to meet a lot of people that knew the show. That was very cool. Got a chance to experience the greatest stadium in all of sports, Lucas Oil, from top to bottom, from ramp to ramp. Jeez, we did. We explored the bowels of that place. (laughs) Why did we we walk everywhere? Every inch of that place. <laughs> we walked seven ramps, and we were still at the 300 level. Oh, And we never saw anybody. We walked on a ramp for 15 minutes, and we didn't see one person. I was like, are we walking to our death? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I led off the show thanking ESPN for the hospitality. That was very nice of them. Absolutely, yeah, they were awesome. I mean, fifty yard line suite at the national championship. Okay, like I, I've never even walked by one of those before, so it was cool to get to go in and watch the game there. They were, they were awesome. Yeah, it was the whole experience was was amazing, man. I, I appreciate you reaching out and and giving me the ticket. That was exactly my thought, by the way, what you said there. Hey, Pat, uh, Mr. Pitaro of ESPN is wondering if you would like uh, tickets for his suite at the national championship game. Mr. Pitaro, who runs ESPN, yeah. Is the national championship on ESPN? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. He's going to have, what, the second best suite in the entire place. Mm-hmm. Who is it? It's uh, Mr. Ursay, who is in there with Peyton and the boys in there. Mm-hmm. And then it's probably this guy right in the next suite. <laughs> I would absolutely love. I'd be honored to. I, I'd, be honored, <laughs> I'd be honored to be in there just like to see how it goes, you know. And I've never met him before. I never met him. We had talked on the phone, but we had never met in person. I felt like it was a good reach out. And it's in Indianapolis. We have to be there. You know, like as a sports show that is hubbed in Indianapolis, if the national championship is going, we have to be there. So it was like a lot of things. It was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. It was so nice that we were sitting on the, I mean, 50 yard. We had our own section, AJ. That was unbelievable. Tongue Diggs was overlooking all his dogs. He was calling the dogs (laughs) from up there. Dogs minus two and a half. What a night. That was really fucking cool. That was really, really it, cool. It was, it was awesome. I mean, I think I had 14 pieces of grilled chicken in there as well and <laughs> 12 pounds of cheese. So, I, I believe me, they, they said, hey, you got to eat. You came in here, you got to eat, and I didn't let them down. Well, you know, uh, Jimmy Pataro is. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Of a lot of, we had a lot of talk with Jimmy. About the Gabagool, you know. Eat, eat, eat. Your skin and bones. <laughs> eat, eat, eat. You know, how that, it was all, they had the entire, hey, how about that dessert spread that they had? Ooh. They had an entire... This shit was nice, dude. This shit was nice. And maybe we experienced the national championship different than a lot of people, but I think it should be here every single year. 
I think we should do that every single year. I, I think there should be an opportunity to do that. Is that what Ohio yeah. State's like? Is that what games are like, though? That type of – that level of – Of, and, like, buy-in. Yeah, that level of buy-in from all the fans and, like, they – you know, they live and die with how the team goes. Yeah, that's what college football is, I feel like, at, at awesome programs. And we saw two of them, two awesome programs last night there it is. Uh, in that uh, stadium. Still impressed. I, okay, going to the talk on the field quick, I don't know how much you guys have talked about it, but those guys, like every guy in the field, I feel like, is so damn athletic, so fast, and they all are unbelievable tacklers, too. Like the defenses, how fast they closed distance was just, yeah. it freaked me out. There was a couple, <laughs> there was like a shoestring tackle that looked like the guy just like pulled the rug out on. So, I mean, there is, AJ had, I heard him murmuring to himself a couple times that he was very happy he did not grow up in this era of football. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just because while you're watching these guys from the 50 and you're just seeing, there's a, like a linebacker getting to the outside. AJ, there was that 16 made that massive hit. Uh, 16 mm -hmm. had a shot. Georgia linebacker 16. He killed somebody early on Bama's sideline. Yes, Seven, 17. 17, no, yes. No, 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 16. no. This was 16. 16. Oh, okay. It yeah, was yeah, 16. Yeah. I, I forget his. And AJ, as soon as he makes a hit, AJ goes, oh, I was watching him pre-snap. You should have seen what he just did or something like that. And then they show the highlight. This dude sprints like 30 yards, <laughs> reads it perfectly, and hits a guy square. They had – the field was filled with – it's. they were running out of the tunnel, I said earlier, and you see Alabama, they got like – 200 deep are just like, oh, every guy's got in the NFL. That's cool. Good for those guys. And then Georgia did the same goddamn thing. It is – there's levels to this thing, man. There's levels. Yeah. I, like, I was I was super impressed by, like, the level of football played out there and how, how like, you think, okay, cool, There's this guy's got a little bit of space. He, might, he may pick up a first down here. And all of a sudden, seven defenders close so quickly and it's a one-and-a-half-yard game. Like, that's what the game felt like to me. Well, and also, like, some of the catches that were being made. Like, in college uh, football, mean, I feel like those big-time catches that we see on Instagram by guys don't happen in the game. For whatever reason, it's a bobble or they're out of bounds. Last night, there was, like, two or three yeah, that man. were, like, highlight reel. And this is what Herb Street said to us. What was that last week? He said, um, back in the day, the – the level of football and IQ of football in college might have been lower, and there was only a couple guys that are good. He said, but now with how the NFL and the college game is kind of intermixing, there's a lot of there's a lot of masters almost that are out there in the intelligence level of the football that's happening is at a higher level. I was never able in this. I I am nowhere near as athletic as anybody that plays D1 football. Okay, in an actual position. I mean, maybe to be honest. I had some big-time tackles. Just right. pure athletic ability you're talking, right? Yeah, but I'm talking about importance to the game, okay? I would never I, – I understand my position. Kicker, punter for college, this is nothing but – Hey, Jim Tressel, punt, the most important play in football. Yeah, and he's a genius. Mm -hmm. That's right. He, he does his thing. Legend. But after watching the NFL and being in it from an NFL city, Pittsburgh, and watching the NFL, and then you watch what old-school college was where it was like kind of NFL football but just like a watered-down version of it. And after I got a front-row seat to watch – great football and that's one of the benefits of the punter position is i'm literally in the meeting i'm sitting in the front row i'm in the locker room i'm friends with basically everybody i got to experience it and learn why some people were doing what they were doing and watch it every single day come together at a very high level it was tough for me to watch some college football because it's like hey these 
These dudes are terrible football. This is this is bad football. This is not good football. Coaches have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Time management-wise, this is bad. This is like, if I wanted to go watch bad football, I'd go watch pickup somewhere and do that whole thing. Now, after watching last night, and I think here as of late with how the game is becoming younger in the NFL, you're seeing a lot of younger guys at skill positions uh, blossom early and do that whole thing. The game has, last night was electrifying. That game was, and the kicking was so good. Kicking was oh, so yeah. good. Wow. Huh? Because of the kicking track. Yeah. It's a fast kicking track. It's known. It's known in Indy there. Yeah, you got a chance to see it. Congrats, dude. I, I got to see it firsthand. Yeah, normal like, I think the last time I was in that stadium was when I was in the Bengals and we played you in a preseason game. Good kicking. That's the last track. time I was there. So yeah, that place holds up great. Still looks really good. Fast track. Fast kicking track, I should say. No, good kicking track. Good, yeah. track. good kicking track. Fast track, too. What's your deal? Let's get to some NFL news. So your uh, kickoffs would have been garbage anywhere else is what you're saying? I don't know, man. I have the highest touchback percentage in the history of the NFL. <laughs> huh. I don't know. You tell me, dude. What's that mean, AJ? You tell me, dude. Not a lot of slow is tracks. Is that good? <laughs> is, every, is, every, is, every, is every stadium a good stadium for me? I don't know. You fucking tell me, dude. All right? Philadelphia, <laughs> okay. Philadelphia I think I average like 14 yards a punt. So <laughs> Cleveland, same thing. Would I have had the same career I had in Indy if I was in any of those cities? Probably not. Thank God for that. But the kicking tracks were good around here. Hell yeah. Kicking tracks were good around here. Where's the national championship next year? Do we know? Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Indy. It's right here. Oh, okay. Right How many years do they have it? Eight. Fifteen. Twenty. Yeah, extend, extendo. Hey, I told uh, we talked about thanking Commissioner Sankey for saving football. Last did you time. talk about it? Yeah, yeah, we talked about it. We, we went into it pretty in-depth as well. Probably too deep, but we did. That was a big moment last night. We Remember, we were waiting on leaving. We were waiting. We were thinking. When you did it, when you made the decision, I saw you actually go up to thank him for saving football. I didn't think you would do it as quickly. I didn't think you were actually going to do it because we <laughs> – we brainstormed about it for about 15, 20 minutes, about three feet away from him. Yeah, and you know, I talked about how Diggs had to Google the man. <laughs> Make sure. And, yeah. and we were looking at his picture literally three, like less than two feet away from him. Yeah, I think that's him. And sound travels, I'd assume. So he had to have heard oh, us yeah. potentially talking behind him. But once he sat down and I saw maybe, you know, that he has a little break in the action here. Whew. Sir. Doing, Commissioner. Thanks for saving football, dude. <laughs> he stands up. I'm like, no, no, you don't need to stand up. You save football, dude. Yeah. That's literally what I said. And he said, no. And he knew who we were. It sounded like, did it? Did it sound like he knew who we were at some point? I, I don't know. Diggs acted like he did, but he uh, he was very like uh, he didn't want to accept it. He Let didn't want to accept can the explain, Can we explain what you meant by that? AJ goes, I can't hear a word he's saying. I said, well, he just mentioned Ohio State to you, so he knows who you are. Yeah, he did. He talked. Uh, uh, he said we brought the SEC championship up here to Big Ten country or something. Yeah. Which is very nice of him to do that. Yeah. Good guy. Hey, it was so cold. Oh, God. Yeah. Brit. I mean, they didn't have a whole lot of out, like outdoor activities like at a Super Bowl, did they? Like surrounding the game? What are you doing here? What is your question? It seems like you're leading into a stat, that narrative you're trying to build. Is that what no, you're no, doing No, no, right no. I'm now? not leading to a stat. Like, no, there was a lot of conversation yeah. last night about how maybe the... Like, it was, the we said it was eerily quiet outside the stadium <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> It was dead quiet. Yeah, you can't weird. do a whole lot when it's negative fifty when you're yeah. walking. It felt like it was extra cold when we left. So then we talked about the players. You know, like uh, if we were on one of the teams. Now AJ did get to experience this. I, I never did, mostly because it's uh, you know my fault as well. But like the the bowl weeks always were like special. Bowl weeks were special. You go out. We went out to Phoenix for the Fiesta Bowl. That was like a special week where you kind of get away. You know, we go down to Jacksonville, go to Carolina. We went down to Atlanta, you know, experience Atlanta a little bit. It was a little bit warmer, still cold. Like those bowl weeks are like Super Bowl weeks. You remember forever. 
I mean, it was cold as shit here in Indy, man. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Freezing. And maybe that's what they'll remember. Hey, you remember when we went up to Indy and it was... Yeah, that sucks. Nine yeah. degrees. <laughs> Freezing. Nine degrees. I wonder what they did. Was the convention center just set up for a bunch of shit? What do you mean? A Sam Hunt concert down there at Circle. Yeah. True. So the pregame show, they threw it down to Sam Hunt. He performed his whole fucking album. Right uh, here? Yeah, mm-hmm. in the Circle. So they they really packed people in down there. And oh, so they were doing 15 yeah. to 30. I you worry. I just take it slow, just as fast as I can. Come on, Indy. Was the halftime show who you thought it was? Yes. What's that, dude? Was the halftime show who you thought it was originally? This yeah. was garnering conversation last night as well because Katy Perry and Avicii did not perform at the halftime. Wow. It was Fuck. right there, though. It was uh, a lesso. Yeah. A lesso. Uh, but I didn't even see it. Was it there? It wasn't live. No, it was just on the uh, ESPN broadcast. They just played a music video. It was pretty sweet, though. Oh, kind of like they was used it? to do with the, uh, yeah. the halftime. Yeah, it had some awesome. feeling Monday Night of the Genesis yeah. halftime show. I'll tell you what, Katy Perry still that. got it. Yeah, I didn't hear the song. Was it good? Oh, yeah. Bang. Really? I didn't watch that. AJ, part. Was, AJ, it was a Katy Perry music video. Yeah. Did we not see that? Where were, we went to the we, bathroom. Was it firework? We was it firework? No, new song. World premiere. Yeah. Wow. It sucked. To be what honest. What? Whoa. I like Katy Perry. It sucked. Well, nothing to do with fireworks. So quit making music. Wow. They had fireworks in the building, though. Remember did, during yeah. the national anthem, there Scared was me. yeah they got that us. Was that cool. was pretty big pop because the roof was closed and there was boom 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 boom. The in the in stadium entertainment. I what's that? What? There was quite a deep breath that was just yeah. had there by you. No, I dropped so I dropped my thing fell off the table. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're, no, you're, 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 you didn't drop a single. So thing. did AJ just have an absolutely terrible time last night? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Is that no, the I don't need a great no, time. No, listen. I get this. He was judging everything. He doesn't like it. You don't say. He doesn't like it. Okay, no, this picture. You act like I'm mad or something. I'm not. I barely knew you were taking this shot, but I don't know about you, Pat, but I had a great time. Laughed a lot. At multiple different situations, but yeah, for some reason I get painted like I didn't have a good time just because I'm a curious person and I ask questions throughout the night. <laughs> I know your problem, AJ. I have similar sentiments. Yeah, we had a great time. I mean, we had a we had a great time in there. There was a lot of laughing, but there was a lot of uh, we're waiting for an elevator for 35 minutes here. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what is going on? There here? was a there was a lot of that. There was a quarterback who met me and. Did not look me in the face one time because he just kept thinking, what the fuck is this guy wearing a cowboy hat for? Oh, you're talking about Peyton Manning? Yeah. The sheriff? <laughs> yeah. He was the only guy in the whole stadium wearing a cowboy hat. <laughs> Tony, we may, yeah. I, I actually, I feel bad because I kind of said, Tony, you're wearing a cowboy hat. You know, like, hey, I, I, yeah. I think I asked in a, in a leading fashion. And it was kind of because I didn't know what the decision was going to be. SEC, you know. Yeah. Got to do it. Georgia, of, definitely known for their cowboy hats. Well, a lot, of, a lot of boots. Thought. A lot of boots. Not a lot of... All a cowboy. May have been the only cowboy hat in Lucas Oil. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. Not maybe. <laughs> oh, man. Just blocking a lot of people's view, too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, behind. Uh, sir, can you take the head off? <laughs> oh, dude. I'm so sorry I even. Because you were probably asking yourself, and then when I asked the question, you're like, well, maybe we should do this. Well, in proper moments, I would take it off to show respect. Like, I wasn't an asshole. Yeah, he did. He had it over. <laughs> he had <laughs> you. <laughs> right over his chest. That a boy, Tony. That's awesome. national anthem. Dude, he was like... He was like clapping it off his heart too, like you know. Yeah, he was doing like a pat with it too. Oh, yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, it was. 
<laughs> oh, man, what a night. Thank you, we Cowboys. Thank you, ESPN, for letting us yeah. in your suite. Too, too you bad Jimmy probably it. missed the third quarter. Like, hey, oh, Jimmy Pitaro, the, the head of ESPN, how did you like you know the crazy things that happened in the third? Well, I missed actually the whole third. The Kobe Cowboys sitting in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I saw the replay of it. I didn't get to see it live because there was this cowboy hat right over the 10-yard to about the 30-yard line from where I was sitting. But they were too nice. Very, very, very nice. Uh, let's talk about what's going on in the coaching and general manager vacancy world, AJ. There's a lot of requests being sent out around the NFL to interview numerous people. The enemy's on some list. Uh, Doug Bev- or Daryl Bevel is on some list. There's a lot of, lot of people being asked about around the NFL for head coaching jobs and general manager jobs. There's a lot of people in the media also promoting people to different jobs. For instance, Michael Lombardi said, hey, I don't know if Michael Lombardi is an inside source. I don't know if Michael Lombardi thinks this or if he just thinks it would make sense in his eyes, which I think would make sense to a lot of us, including Tony Dungy, who even went to the campaign trail for him on Sunday Night Football. And I'll do I'll take this time to do it yet again. Jim Caldwell was awesome to play for. Jim Caldwell led our team to a Super Bowl. Granted, Peyton Manning was the co- uh, quarterback, so it's the same thing as like Matt LaFleur mm-hmm. with Aaron Rodgers. Then Peyton Manning has a, a broken freaking neck or something like that. He gets a surgery. He's out for the season. We lose. We go 2-14 and 14 or whatever we were, 3-13. and 13. He gets fired alongside everybody. He goes to Baltimore as the offensive coordinator, wins a Super Bowl, goes to Detroit as the head coach, wins in Detroit. Oh, yeah. They fire him, mm-hmm. and then he's just kind of been golfing ever since. So I don't know. Uh, if Jim Caldwell is willing to take any job, but Michael Lombardi is saying that look for Jim Caldwell to be under strong consideration in Miami. Is that because they need a calm uh, OG who's probably going to bring a great staff in there and has been there, done that? Or is it just because he knows somebody uh, down there, you think, AJ? I mean, maybe he, I'm sure he thinks Caldwell would be a good fit. Maybe he knows like people in their front office that he would have good relationships with. I don't know. Like, we, they've said pretty much, right? Flores isn't there because his relationship with, is Greer the GM? Yeah, he's mm-hmm. been there since 2000. Uh, 2000. Has he been the GM yeah. since then? No. no. I doubt it. No, he's, no, been, he's only no. been GM like last five years. Because they had like Tannenbaum and stuff, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so and Tua, so you got to have a good relationship. He feels like Caldwell could have a good relationship with Tua. Is that part of it? Yeah, and does this mean that Tua is the future because they, in the media release, now granted, we have no idea about the media releases out of the Miami Dolphins program. Because there was a time where Tua missed games, and they said, eh, no real damage, actually. Yeah, he's just <laughs> yeah. he's just choosing to miss. You remember that? And then they also rolled out the starting job for Tua instead of having the team. So media-wise, we can't really understand any reasoning behind why the Miami Dolphins would leak any information that they leak. Allegedly, the owner was looking in for a new quarterback, yep. but now the most recent release of information, which is either from a source or made up, is that Chris Greer and B-Flow didn't get along anymore. Tua and B-Flow didn't get along anymore. That, including the constant turnover of the staff, uh, deemed him unfit to be the Miami Dolphins head coach anymore. So that would make it sound like they sided with Tua and Chris Greer. So is Tua the quarterback of the future? And is that the first time we have heard that ever, Gumpy? Is that the first time we've ever heard that from the Miami Dolphins? So they also requested Brian Dayball, who was his OC and quarterback coach at Bama in 2017. Hey, so we're going to or a bust down there, man. Hell yeah. One more ride, my friend. Spend all the money and get no line. Give this guy a shot. Hey, let's Let's get two out there. <laughs> two, 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 two,
What would I you- don't know. Like, so when they interview all these guys, right? Don't they usually like the initial talk is over Zoom or they 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 do like a virtual interview and then they what narrow it down and bring down the guys and whoever back that they think has a chance? Is that how they're doing it? I guess. What would you ask? Hey, I if don't you know. Were I just want to hang with. I want to like. I would definitely want to go them to go over their whole. They all have like big binders full of all like what they would do on certain situations and how they would build a team. I would want to see that, yeah, but I would just want to hang out and talk to them, watch film with them, maybe walk around and I wish it would be nice to be able to like walk around a practice somewhere and watch it with them. You can't watch it his team, but maybe like the college senior well, they already have guys by then. They're already you have to make your hire by then. Yeah, you gotta assume that the football IQ is there if they're gonna be your head coach. The whole hey, we gotta hang around each other this person. You know, is a interact all the time in very high stress situations where it's a lot on the line. So you have to be like rock solid with those people. What's Darren's last name? Special teams coordinator for the Bengals. Uh, Simmons. Darren Simmons told me at the Senior Bowl, he said, whenever we're you know looking for who we're going to pick up or whatever, we're also looking into like who we can be around for eight hours a day if we had to be there. If you're doing Zoom calls and Facetimes, how do you have any idea? if somebody's going to be able to be somebody that can get along with others. Like, they're down there in Miami saying the B-Flow didn't get along down there. That's why they have to fire him, even though he won eight of the last nine. He's immediately getting um, looked at everywhere. I think people are like, hey, this mm-hmm. guy is going to be highly sought after. How do they know that that isn't going to happen again? And do they just shape it around B-Flow as opposed to shaping it around Chris Greer? And then that makes you go to the New York Giants situation where it was reported that Joe Judge would have input in the who – the next general manager would be, and that garnered big attention because obviously the general manager coach role is two different roles unless you're Bill Belichick, which is where Joe Judge came from, and Joe Judge doesn't have the resume to maybe do that, just like Bill O'Brien down in Houston had this similar power, and he was with Belichick, and it did not work out. So that obviously, why are we giving Joe Judge more power is how everybody reacted. I heard Mazuana this morning Mm, on ESPN say that they Joe Judge will not be making the decision. They do want to know whether or not Joe Judge would probably get along with somebody, though, because that's a pretty big part of them. If they're going to stick with Joe, if they're going to keep a general or bring in a general manager, they have to be able to get along. If they hate each other, that shit ain't going to work. So Maz was like, anybody saying that he's going to be deciding who the general manager is, that is not the case. They just want his opinion. And then I think he went on to say, like, the general manager that they hire, whether or not he likes Joe Judge as well, like, that's going to have to be something that is kind of fluid. But I think that's smart to like hey are these two going to be compatible are these two going to be able to get along because that is a massive ordeal there's a lot of places that have both spots open general manager yeah. and coach like those these are vital decisions that have to be made here early think how ballsy you would have to be if you're coming in to interview for the giants gm opening and you tell them they they go okay so how would how would you move forward what would you do and say first off I'll get rid of the head coach I'm Klein, gonna bring in and he, he gave us like a list of like five candidates like, I'm gonna interview each one of these guys I'll tell you what I like and dislike about these guys like do you think any of these these uh, candidates may do that is that possible yeah would you because that's the whole hey you gotta be pretty confident that you're gonna get more interviews that you have chances past this and maybe that's what you need to do to separate yourself I don't know it depends how how close the owners are in keeping Joe Judge like how much they like him. Rest in peace, Sun Tzu. Yes, of course. Art of War. I learned, just like you are right now, he did pass away. Unfortunately. A couple thousand years ago. That's right. But there's a lot of like, hey, be where they don't think you'll be. Do what you don't think. Be up when you're down. Be down when you're up. Like, there's a lot of that type of stuff. Going into an interview with Joe Judge in the room, 
Well, I'm firing that guy immediately. Right See there. That guy right there. Nobody else is doing that. And Mars might be like, holy shit. Holy shit. All right. I like this guy. <laughs> that would be wild. That would be absolutely insane. Frank Reich had some things to say um, Ooh, yeah. about, or things not to say about Carson Wentz. This is becoming a full conversation now because I guess at the end of last year, as reported by Joel A. Erickson of the Indianapolis Star, shout out to Joel, uh, last season he said, as I sit here right now, I want Phillip Rivers to be my starting quarterback next year. Obviously, Phillip Rivers is going to retire. He's now a high school football program coach down there in Alabama. That's right. Deal. His team's really good. Oh, oh yeah. Ball players. He led that Colts team to the playoffs and obviously lost to the Bills, but still made one last hurrah there as the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, he did. One last Thank run. You, Phil. And that's what Frank said. Frank said, you know, I would like to think have him. This year, a little bit different answer when asked about his quarterback, who was a veteran from another team. We loved the team we had this year. We knew everyone we brought in this year. We expected to play winning football, Reich said. Next year's roster will be next year's roster. I don't want to open uh, it up about one player and then start talking about all of them. He said, you ask me about Carson, then who are you going to ask me about next? T.Y.? That's a guy that's beloved by everybody, but his contract is up. And then you're going to ask me about anybody else that we could potentially have to do negotiations with that we have a lot of love for. Maybe that's why he answered the way he did. But I think he could have given a little bit more. He likes Carson, and the internet thinks this as well, while also putting the bed about not talking about anybody else. So fascinating shit here. Uh, and then T.Y. Hilton obviously does something on Twitter that garners a bunch of attention, even though T.Y. and Luck are best friends, and Luck was back on TV yeah. last night with a great mustache. Oh, back yeah. in Indianapolis, going into the College Football Hall of Fame. Congrats to him. Uh, Darius Butler put out a tweet, <laughs> you know, of... Uh, this is a superhero. Yeah, Wolverine. Wolverine, obviously. Right. Who I is that Cena? Yeah. Cena doesn't play that. Does no, he? Cena's no, Peacemaker. Oh, dude. Thursday, Hugh HBO Jack. Max. Hugh Jack. I'm going to go back. And, how was he? I, I got to go watch that. Really Sorry, good. Continue. Hey, it was a cool conversation, actually. Oh, good. Cut it a little short, but... Oh. <laughs> Carson, though, is now... His future is in jeopardy or a question mark. The Colts' future is in a question mark. Jim Irsay is going to, you know, stay a steady person with the team and the franchise and the program to see what they go, but that's a big-time decision there because that could be a the domino in the offseason of veteran quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. You know, because the Colts yeah. pretty good position, I think, if they were to get into the market. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or if they're keeping Carson, they got, they got some money to save and kind of go on because they only got to pay him $15 million. Well, and the difference with Phil and Carson was Phil signed there in free agency, and they actually went to go get Carson that contract, and it ended up costing them a first and third round pick. And it wasn't only right, but like Carson is Frank's guy. That's why I feel like it's much different between Phil and him because – Frank was the one like, hey, let's go get Carson. I know who this guy is. You know, I was there with him at North Dakota State. He's the guy. And obviously, sitting outside the playoffs now, it's a much different situation. Well, they took a car ride, remember? Oh, yeah. And they had the, uh, right. he had the same Bible verse on his phone that Frank read that morning. Which one was it? It was that one about Rampants. love and, and stuff. You know, you remember. <laughs> Amen. 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 It passed. It's going to be awkward Amen. on Sunday. Amen. Beautiful. Amen. 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 Peter 315. Boom. About being a man. Nice. Take me to church. I'm on your hand. I'm on your hand. I'm on Peter 3.15 says, why? 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 Bible verses, why? Why? Well, Austin 3.16 says, I just whooped your ass. Sailor. I was on the spot, allegedly. That's pretty good.
Really? Allegedly, allegedly. I, wow. don't, I don't know. I mean, he probably right. thought about it at least one time before. It like came your uh, B-Flow, Chris and B-Flows yesterday? Oh, hey. Yeah, with the the comedian, you got to bring your best shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. Ian Rapport, you know what I mean, AJ? When Ian Rapport's on, you got to bring your best stuff. Oh, yeah. He's he's pretty good. But going, hold on, going back to Frank Reich real, real quick. Oh, Jesus. Come on. Don't you think he could have? So the GM, what Andrew Barry in Cleveland said, we fully expect uh, Baker Mayfield to be our starter next year. Couldn't Frank have said at least like, Hey, I'm not going to open it up and talk about individual players, but of course I love Carson. I want him to be here next year. Well, fully expect does give you an out too, right? Well, we expected that, and then we didn't realize that, I don't yeah. know, Aaron Rodgers is available. Even if you yeah. say, I want, I, we, I, we want him back as our quarterback, we expect him to be back. Yeah, you're not, like if he's not there, they can't say like, oh, you lied to me. But also, let's remember, Frank is a human, and he was probably rather upset that he was doing this interview, mm-hmm. right? So maybe this isn't his most clear-minded day about everything. He's probably just as pissed as all of us, even though he'll say stinking. Instead of fucking. Yeah, right. Yeah. He is stinking piss, though. Is it possible he's just trying to maybe light a fire under Carson's ass, too? Like, hey, oh. it's maybe not, we don't need to continue to just, like, coddle this guy and, like, act like he's the best quarterback ever. Like, maybe we light a fire under his ass and see what he's really all about, as opposed to, you know, never pushing him and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, never pushing him. What do you mean? Well, isn't that why he left Philly, pretty much? Because he was yeah. like, I don't want Jalen Hurts in my locker room while I'm quarterback. No, nah, that's, that's because all. He, I, that he didn't, didn't want to compete with him. That didn't happen. And that's then he got happened. here, and he was like, get rid of Hockabeeson right now. Trade him to Seattle. I don't want this guy nipping at my heels while I'm trying to prepare us to win on Sundays. And they traded. This him. is all alleged, and we fully expect the true story. Yeah, I don't know. Though, by I don't know. Maybe alleged. That so, is interesting, man. Sometimes coaches do try to motivate through the media like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And every time a coach speaks to the media, he's speaking to his players as well. And everybody in the NFL understands that. And I hope, and I'd assume college is the exact same way. I think there was an interview done somewhere where I read it where Frank Reich uh, admitted that he was coaching a little harder on uh, Carson or something like that. I forget Mm -hmm. who did the article, and I apologize for not remembering that, but I do believe he did start coaching a little bit harder. And he also gave an answer that was interesting about why Carson maybe didn't perform as well. And we got to remember that Frank Reich is a quarterback. So Frank Reich is always going to side with the quarterback. In Hard Knocks, he actually said that he has a theory, always trust the quarterback, because the quarterback's out there, the quarterback knows everything about that but him coaching him harder and recognizing that he could get better is fascinating because what if Carson played bad football because of it even though Frank said that the reason why he's playing bad football is because it was hard to get into a rhythm because of the run game we were so run dominant and Carson's a different quarterback than that type of quarterback I think he also alluded to that there's levels to this you have no idea what side Frank completely resides on you know, like maybe he is. Yeah, done. but if that's true, though, at all, the where Carson, it's tough to get into rhythm because their run game is so strong. Isn't that him saying Carson's not the right guy then? Because we have Jonathan Taylor. This guy's an MVP candidate. We're yeah. going to continue to run the ball. But play caller, who's Frank Reich, I mean, he was making decisions to get Carson into a groove mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And it's like, what are we doing? Beginning of that Jacksonville game? Mm-hmm. The beginning of that Jacksonville game. They were throwing. The, it was a throw. What? What are we? What? What are we doing? Yeah, what are Jacksonville D line came out ready to play, though. Did and, you see? Yeah, and Roger Goodell better have been on the first thing smoking down to Duval Clontown mm-hmm. with a bunch of piss tests, saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, that's right. You boys are unbelievable." Okay, it almost seems like that is 
super strength that you haven't had all season. If you would have played anything like this all year, you probably wouldn't have the first overall pick all of a sudden. But I understand you had the whole Meyer problem. But that team was flying around. But I think, you know, even the strategy going in wasn't like, hey, we're just going to feed the number one rusher in the NFL. The number, the number one rush off. Maybe they're trying to rest, uh, rest his legs a little bit for the playoff run. AJ. AJ, we're not in the playoffs. Yeah, that's, you know, it's a byproduct. So. No, it yeah. was a playoff game, AJ. Yeah, well, next, next theory. Well, uh, maybe they, yeah, I don't know. Interesting note here from Charlie Clifford at Cliff Wish 8. Hey, Chuck Cliff. Oh, man. Top hey, he, of his game. Yeah, he is yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. he's, uh, he's in his prime, star. especially yeah. at Wish TV hey, here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Shout out to Anthony Calhoun. Interesting note. Frank Reich said he was more critical with Carson Wentz and ultimately coached him more harsh this season than ever before. Reich acknowledged his deep connection with Wentz and made sure to check himself in that department, as he does with many players. So, hey, personal feelings aside, okay, let's put Peter 315 mm-hmm. back in the Bible. Yeah. Right. You and me, I'm coach, your player. I'm going to coach you the exact same way. That's impossible to do, I think. The only person that's been able to just go ahead and uh, shelter their feelings and just be the same person is Bill Belichick. Yep. Everybody else is a human, but it's also the quarterback position, so how do you coach quarterback of an NFL team? Probably pretty similar everywhere. It's quarterback Coaching quarterbacks in the NFL has got to be so difficult, I think, just because it's such a confidence game, too. So, yeah, you got to be hard on them. you got to hold them accountable, but you also have to – empower them to make the right decisions when they're on the field like you need to give them like confidence where they can recover if they do throw a pick six early or something bad happens because it's something bad will happen like how do you respond and not have like a crazy amount of fear for that coach in the sideline where you're scared to, to pull the trigger and make those throws and you also have to be able to deal as a human with somebody who is a super type a personality probably <laughs> like it, it, their entire life they've been told so like there's a lot of quarterbacks that have been put on a pedestal their entire life, yeah. mm-hmm. right? In, in a lot of high schools and a lot of towns across. So those kids, hey, this kid can throw a pigskin. This mm-hmm. kid right here is going to be our guy. So that happens. I don't know if it happens as much as it used to. It still happens, though, where the quarterback is treated, you know, in a certain way. That quarterback, if they're lucky enough, nowadays even, they're getting offered millions of dollars to go to college. And by the way, when they get to college, they're wearing a different color jersey. They're doing different stuff. They are still putting this. And then if they're able to get through and succeed somehow and still have a work ethic while everybody is treating them. Everybody is treating them as if they are actual gods, basically. Then you go and you make it to the NFL. You have been treated in a certain way literally since you were a child. Now, there are some guys that have been overlooked and had to come out of nowhere. You know, the Stetson Bennett's of the world, of the the everything else like that there's been. But the, a quarterback is naturally going to have a much different view on life than a lot of other people from how their entire sport world has gone. But they also have the capability to withstand a pressure and an amount of expectation that a lot of other people don't probably have at their age as well. So it's a very, it's a fine balance when you're talking about the human that is a quarterback as well. And that's day to day. Remember Clyde Christensen told us Peyton Manning would text him at 1130 at night, 430 a.m. in the morning. He better have an answer. It better be right because he needs it now and he wants to move on. That's an interesting thing, you know. There's so few, like, great elite quarterbacks, too, like, on the planet. So they're all searching for him. Like, everybody's searching for your Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, whoever that may be. And it's just uh, – it's it's not, like, a perfect process. We know. That's when you draft quarterbacks. You never really know. Like, so much depends on what surrounds them. And also, there's a lot of guys that have rocket laser arms. But, what, 90% of it is, like, mental and what you can do, how you see defenses, how you're able to recover if bad things happen. Like, 
all of that stuff. There's so much that goes into it. Hey, Stetson batted a lot of Drew Brees on last night, huh? Mm-hmm. I mean, that dude, he's a gamer, man. That dude throws a pretty deep ball. That first deep ball that old buddy reached out and caught, that was awesome. Yep. We literally were talk- we talked about it at the beginning. Like, hey, Stetson throws a beautiful rock. Oh, yeah. And especially with the white on the college footballs at the end, mm-hmm. you can tell mm-hmm. easily like how the ball is. That's I was watching the punters and warm-ups. So I could see, ah, oh, okay, not good, not good. Okay, because you can see literally every single thing. Stetson throws a mesmerizing, yeah. hypnotizing tight. He knows defense, too. And he had that fumble, almost lost the game. Everybody's mm-hmm. been doubting him. Came back in, chucked a rock, put it on a dime. No Hell big deal. Yeah. He's got that mental capacity. Who knows now that he's a national champ on TV, probably hung over his fuck or nah. still drunk. What's up, Diggs? I haven't seen any other shows talking about Did you see the article uh, that was talking about how Carson was late for the team play? And was up the entire night before because of the ice and stuff last week. And he tried clearing that off his driveway with his bobcap. His bobcap uh, got stuck in the driveway and he couldn't get to the have to get to a break. That was low hanging. Low hanging. Not good. Not on this program. How dare you? If he had a deer, he would have been good night rest. Would have made it in time. There is. Should have thrown some salt down. That would have got rid of some ice. Hey, just real quick. That ice came out of nowhere. It just got slow. I don't think anybody expected it. Man. This new house I'm at, too, has got some stone that I... Oh, Home Alone situation almost. Yeah. Nice. Dude, I was doing a full... Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Get oh, yourself oh, some ice melt. shit. Yeah. Make sure it's pet safe. Yeah, pet friendly now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Is any of that lake frozen? Yeah, I was going to get the skates yesterday. Ooh. Ooh. Man, you got to do it. Triple Deke. That'll be so sweet. Think of the video of me. Get him, Foxy. Show. You got to film it. Dude, imagine me saucing all around the goddamn lake. And then, boom, all of a sudden, you disappeared under the ice. Boom, he fell through. Whoa. So I actually have fallen through ice before. That you is... probably wear, like, a life jacket or something. Tie yourself to a tree. It'd be good, too, there if you, you fell, because you you'd have a... Yeah, I've done it before. Remember, Diggs threw Throw a brick. concrete. <laughs> cinder block. Throw a cinder, cinder block out in front, test the ice, and then, yeah. you know, tie, tie yourself smart. to a tree. Yep. This dude's on the middle of a river, and he's throwing... Bricks into the ice that he's standing on just to see if he should continue going forward. Yeah. Genius. Smart. That's when the Genius. Allegheny was the Allegheny, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Back in 2011. You forwarded the river. Oh, yeah. Real life. Doesn't get that cold anymore. You know, something's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Can't thank you enough for allowing us to be a part of your Tuesday here. You're the best. Use hashtag end of pod squad. Tweet out where you're listening from. You might win some free merch. Ty has been bouncing through there over the last few months. Uh, it's almost like a year at this point and handing out free merch to some of the folks who listen all the way through the end. We appreciate the hell out of you. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people into a beautiful Aaron Rodgers Tuesday evening. We're back manana with a big one. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers.